Oh, it's good to be back on the cast finally. Sam, how was your vacation though? Yeah, man, it was uh it was great. I went to Disney World. Damn. Yeah, man. They <laughs> they say that's a place where dreams come true. I mean, it's over every sign there and every every billboard. I mean, I heard your special dream came true. Yeah, I got engaged. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, it's very exciting. Super exciting. Like the the way it all went down was like perfectly executed on my part. You know, now's the time I can give myself a little pat on the back because it was totally unexpected by my uh, significant other. They they had no idea because, you know, we're going to Disney, right? She knows that there's an opportunity. Right, right. You know, before it all went down in January, she's asking me, you know, that's a perfect time, you know, to, to propose or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And I have to be like, wouldn't it be great if you propose to me at Disney World? Um, um. <laughs> yeah, pretty much basically what was said. I just basically played it super chill and said things like, oh, man, like I have to plan for that. Yeah. Like, just enjoy your time down there. It's going to be great. You know, we'll worry about that stuff later. I see what you're saying. Like, right, right. You're right. You know, it is a good place to do it. But, you know, just don't focus on that. Just have a good time. Even while we were there on the first day at uh, Hollywood Studios, at the end, you know, we had, a you know, an amazing day there going on the Tower of Terror and the new Star Tours. And even at the end, we saw their their show, which is like a Fantasia show. It was really well done. Okay. But we kind of left that early to go see the Star Wars ending show. Bzzz. And what that was is, oh my God, like they projected it on a replica of the Chinese theater, which is where the first Star Wars uh, was shown, you know, in the 70s. Uh-oh. So what I learned about that place is like the, the Chinese theater asked the replica people, you know, in uh, Florida for the blueprints on the updated building. So it like, they could update their own building. So, like, that's kind of interesting how, like, a replica building is, like, helping out the original thing. Uh, but besides that, the actual show was encompassing the entire Star Wars saga, the characters. Each one had, like, their moment to shine. It was projected, like, holographically onto the theater, you know, and there's fireworks and fire and, and all oh, sorts of, you know, okay. crazy lights and sounds. Like, we were standing in the center of it. So, you really get encompassed by this, you know, visual Star Wars experience they're trying to give you there's moments where you want to just like cry because it's so awesome like this everything about the series you love and it gets you thinking about each character the conflict light and dark it goes from prequels to rogue one to solo solo is very brief you know because i think they're very aware of the reception so it showed up for like a hot second and i was like all right you can go now and it went it went by the time you think you can go for a solo momento (laughs) yeah then obviously you know the original trilogy which is what i i want to see and then you know the new stuff and you know seven and eight what's really cool is yeah although they went and they showed off each character they had like their own little montages and stuff a little history of them or whatever and then at the very end you're thinking you know because they're gonna show up to episode eight right and then you're like are they gonna show anything from nine it was awesome because they can't really show anything but what they did is i mean they only just wrapped filming as far as i know yeah exactly so the last thing they show is ray holding up her lightsaber and it like shoots into the sky so you're like oh my god like (laughs) that's just a cool image of just like here's nine here's what we can do get ready yeah it was definitely like a a get ready moment they know it's on your mind that you're like oh my god what's gonna happen we know 
this movie's coming out this year. So they kind of, you know, are slick about it. That's awesome. Um, but anyways, I was going to say at the end, leaving the hustle and bustle of everyone trying to leave, I was walking through the shops and I'm saying to my fiance, I'm saying, and she wasn't at the time, <laughs> I didn't propose until the next day at Magic Kingdom. But I was saying, I was like, you know, this place, you know how they say it's where, you know, dreams come true. And I was just like, just not that one, just <laughs> not the engagement one. And she's like, yeah, okay. You know, it's just... (laughs) Only I know the secret. (laughs) Yeah. I did propose the next day at Magic Kingdom in front of the Haunted Mansion. Perfect. And um, yeah, it went off really well. Um, She was totally complete shock. Like, you know how you see people in videos and they're like no way shut up you're kidding like that's not it's not real you're just pranking me it's just a prank like that was alma yeah and it wasn't (laughs) that level of like she believed it but at first it was complete like holy shit shock and i'm sitting here thinking why do you think i would play with you like that like in front of in front of my family and like well your sweet monotone personality really helps you hide your (laughs) inner thoughts yeah no that must be it even those closest to you never know what you're truly (laughs) up to (laughs) i just got on the knee like and you know people afterwards you know different family members asked me like were you nervous or anything and i was just like no like (laughs) like what's there to be nervous about i planned everything Ah, you know yeah i planned everything like perfectly you just do it like i don't know if certain people are worried about things going wrong or them saying no or like any anything could go wrong i guess i mean i'm in a position where i had nothing to worry about as far as the answer i already knew it was a solid yes Mm -hmm. yeah and i knew it was wanted like to do it there and like she she had never been to Disney. Oh, nice. See, I didn't know that. She would like grew up watching like the VHS promos of Disney and being like really excited seeing them and thinking I'll never get to go there. I'll never see this place. I'll never go on this ride. And you know, it's really boom pow- engaged. Yeah, it's really powerful to not only have the ability to go there but also to get engaged there. I thought it was a, a, a powerful moment to form a solid, happy, happy memory. I wanted to be able to do that for her. Haunted Mansion is like one of her favorite rides that, I mean, she loves Halloween. So yeah, she's seen the movie too, which also gets you primed for that kind of thing. And then going on it for the first time and then afterwards getting engaged, I was like, I want this to be the moment. Right. One of the things is like the Tower of Terror there. It's Twilight Zone themed. She really loves Twilight Zone as well. So that ended up being her favorite ride. That was at Hollywood Studios. So the next day at Magic Kingdom, I was like, man, I got to find a way to make Magic Kingdom. Magical. Haunted Mansion like the best. Magic Kingdom haunted haunted mansion magical magic mansion kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> Explosion <laughs> extraordinaire. Well, it it was great. I, I really enjoyed seeing the pictures of, of the ring. Alma had a huge smile on her face. And, you know, it was just great to hear that when you guys came back that, you know, everything went smooth. Everything was great. That you guys had a wonderful time. I was miserable. <laughs> I was here just waiting for you to get back. <laughs> sitting at my computer. Watching our views go to nothing. Re- yeah. <laughs> re-listening to our podcast. Remembering the good old days of the week prior. Remember Sam. When we were podcast. <laughs> <laughs> remember sam remember the guy who used to be able to bounce back any topic <laughs> we wanted to talk about at any given well, time y- with that being said <laughs> i'm larry Houston, 
and with me is Sam Montgomery, finally back, and it just feels so good to be back at Firelink Podcast. It, it, it really does. I, I missed it. Oh, yeah, especially since I came back to a completely cold environment from being 80 degrees every day, so yeah, I need a warm fire. Yeah. You, <laughs> Keep well, me alive. Come gather around the bonfire, my friend. It's <laughs> ready. Let's do this. Let's go. <laughs> Today's topic. Let's get into today's topic. Let's do it. Let's jump right in. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. We're coming up on the anniversary date, actually. The 3rd. Yeah. March 3rd, yeah. Yeah, we're recording this on the 27th. You know, I don't know when we're going to get this up there, but, you know, M- March 3rd is is the day. This is the day when it finally released. It's the day that, that I got it. It's the day that you got it. Oh, uh, yeah. Because, I mean, we got it simultaneously with our, our Nintendo Switches, you know, of course. I mean, what <laughs> other game were we going to get? That was the one to dive into, you know? I went really hard when that game came out. Well, it's because it was also the Switch launch. I mean, I had been, you could say this about every Zelda game, but I was extremely excited for the launch of Breath of the Wild. It had been like five years since the last one. Everything they showed on it was pretty mysterious and tight-lipped, and the trailers were pretty short. They didn't give anything away. Yeah, it's kind of hard to think about that now you know looking back it's like oh they really did kind of put like a mystery on it you didn't really know too much about it now it's like i mean obviously we kind of know everything yeah it's all out there cats out of the bag and when the switch was announced pretty shortly before we didn't even know about the switch like we had no idea what to expect oh yeah it was like you know is this thing even gonna be on the switch you know that was like a big concern where it's like is this still gonna be just a wii u title but it kind of you know it just kind of wound up being a, a wii u swan song and a beginning to the switch yeah and in january at the time it was you know they had a presentation about the switch and zelda and everything else and then pre-orders opened up now, at the time, I was at uh, AGDQ, which is, you know, like a speedrunning convention. I'm pretty sure I remember calling you guys uh, right after. I, I remember being on, on a Skype call with you guys and then being like, I got to oh. pre-order the Switch. I'll be right back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even pre-order it. I was lucky enough to get it the day it came out thanks to uh, our good friend, Matt. The legend. The legend <laughs> who came through. The legend of Matt. Yeah, that that's a whole story for another day, but uh, he really came through. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I ended up ordering the Switch. And what, what I mean is, like, for Zelda, it's like normally I'd go... Like, when Majora's Mask came out for 3DS, I got the Majora's Mask new 3DS. I got the strategy guide for Majora's Mask. I got the game. Whatever launch stuff comes out with the game... For Zelda, I'm always going to try to get like the collector's edition or any special merch that comes out for the particular launch. So in this case, I they had the special edition and the master edition of Breath of the Wild. So I went hard. And the box of that game is ridiculously big. It comes with like a case. It comes with like a map, a coin, maybe a soundtrack. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it comes with anymore. Like, all I know is I have it somewhere. It's, you know, it's it's uh, displayed. And now I just I just use the, the game, you know, like the cart. I don't really need all the collector's stuff. <laughs> but at the time, you're really excited. You're really hyped. You get all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, you just want to get it all. You know, the new system. It launched with Zelda, which to me is like their Nintendo's new tradition, which I absolutely accept. Oh, yeah. Go for it. If it's going to be a new Mario... I'm down, but they kind of switched. What was it? Uh, Twilight Princess for the Wii. Oh, yeah. That was like end of GameCube, beginning of Wii. Yeah. And that blew my mind. Like, that they, you know, the Wii was a phenomenon with its motion controls, love them or hate them. But, like, at the time, it, it took the world by storm. Oh, I love that game, though. 
God, that game is so good. <laughs> I mean, the Wii U was the definitive way to play that game. It it, it needed to be played. I mean, at the time, playing it on Wii, I, it, I didn't mind, you know, waggling the controller like an idiot. <laughs> but, it, you know, when it, when it came to... Uh, Getting it on Wii U, it's like, nah, this is so much more comfortable. Yeah, you you would definitely never go back to the Wii to play it unless you just really love it, but for some reason. And what I'm saying here is it's just like, that's when they switched to Zelda games coming out for the launch of the system. Right. And then um, Wii U didn't have that, but that's why Wii U bombed. It didn't have a Mario or Zelda title right off the bat. It had two older Zelda titles. Yeah, later on in its lifespan. I mean, it's like people are like, oh, I mean, you know, it had Breath of the Wild and it's like, you know, that's not even a Wii U title anymore. That's Switch. I'm just saying, what decides to me, like, what makes people buy a console is that Mario or Zelda title. Yeah. And in the past it's been the Mario pack-in or the Mario game that launches with it. Think about Mario 1. Think about... Super Nintendo with Mario World, Mario 64. What what I kind of get from that is, you know, I'm thinking kind of back, you know, I, I could be wrong about this, but, you know, when I was like 11 years old, you know, and I was playing Twilight Princess, as far as I knew, like, I was the only one playing it. Like, it wasn't that thing that, like, a kid would want to grab onto and, like, fucking read it and shit. Like, people wanted to play Mario where it's, like, jump in and play. But I feel like it's kind of changed where either, either that or, I mean, I just got older and I kind of realized that, you know, how big, you know, Zelda actually is. But, you know, years ago... I'm talking maybe like a little over 10 years ago. I really didn't like see anyone enjoying them along with me. Either that or I just knew the worst people, you know? (laughs) I mean, that could also be true. Uh, you know, it's impossible to know, but we can assume that many people loved and played the series based on sales numbers and stuff like that. But I know what you mean. Let me put it this way. When I played Wind Waker, and this makes more sense because Wind Waker was like the black sheep at the time, but now it's kind of like has a more open fan base. But when it came out, it was really hated on for the look of the the cartoon cell shaded graphics. And me, I was like, I don't know, 13 or something and plus i'm a huge zelda fan i didn't give a shit like i was i remember all my friends were playing outside and i was inside playing wind waker when it came out and i was like i don't give a shit what you're doing i'm playing wind waker i'm playing zelda like i don't care what it looks like i'm playing it like this is the adventure i'm going on so what i'm saying is just like i know what you mean i had a similar experience sort of where like i'm playing zelda even though other people don't want to but that that's a little different but like when Twilight Princess came out, I do remember uh, people around me playing it. Um, they played it. Some of them played it on the GameCube and it was like mirrored. And, you know, you have the, the GameCube controller to, to play it. Whereas the, the new hotness was the Wii and the motion controls. I remember Mario titles the same as you're saying, where that's just more accessible. Like you don't <laughs> need to read anything in a Mario game, really. Like at least a traditional main Mario title where you're just running around and jumping around. Very light on text. Right. You just Mario it up. <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> you just triple jump it, baby. That's it. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with it though. It's still so much fun to do. Yeah, so like <laughs> yeah, a uh, Mario title is always welcome, which is kind of interesting to me that that they switched from Mario to Zelda. That's a big that's a big handoff. Like Zelda's the game that I remember waiting for. Like you waited for it to come uh-huh. out. Yeah. And that does happen, you know, Breath of the Wild, you did have to wait for it to come out. Skyward Sword was the end of the Wii, a love it or hate it situation. But the point is, is that it took forever to come out. And that's the title that you're like waiting for. Whereas a Mario title is just like, here you go. You know, like, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe that's intentional. 
you know, they just want to get their main, you know, Mickey Mouse type character right off the bat. Like, but I mean, that that doesn't always happen. Like GameCube Mario Sunshine didn't come out till a little while later. They had Luigi, you know, bust out with the vacuum right away and then they had melee which obviously makes up for not having a mario title right away those two games i feel like are strong launch titles right if you if they needed more time to make their mario game i mean people still love those very much today so i don't think it was a bad choice no not at all um whatever choices they make with their main things i'm pretty happy about in terms of the way or like when they launch them and and the reception that i have for them right that kind of gets us into the whole reason why we want to talk about breath of the wild to begin with and (laughs) it's an interesting conversation because this is a beloved game i think it's the best-selling game uh, of the series at this point it's certainly wildly popular among Zelda fans, among Nintendo fans. Breath of the Wild is wild. Selling wild. <laughs> it also brought in people that haven't played games in a long time back to gaming. And that's a thing Nintendo does in general. That's I remember working with like this, I don't want to say like labeling, but like this jock-esque character person okay <laughs> i was working with at the time like like your typical like football xbox microsoft dude. gotcha and yeah i was like y- you know his thing he was a big halo fan that's like all he played and i was like explaining to uh, a friend at you know this job that i had at the time that i had gotten a switch and um you know i was on that zelda grind and he turns around he's like dude i gotta fucking get that and i'm like i was so like taken back i was like why do you want the switch he's like dude that zelda game looks sick and I, like i know that looks awesome and i'm like really like you know like to me obviously for me or you like we're gonna get it like yeah. you know regardless of what it is Hands but down. i kind of didn't realize <laughs> how like other people were perceiving it as, as like you know nintendo was kind of trying to go for this brand new big thing i mean they turned heads people like paid attention they saw it and they they liked it and they were like wow look at that like his big thing the thing i heard the most was like oh i heard it's bigger than skyrim and people hear bigger and they automatically are just like better you know so that that's all they they want to hear you know that's interesting um having the the new zelda or breath of the wild be an open world game like that an rpg open world kind of yeah it does invoke that that's what's been coming out you know skyrim has been released a million times you know (laughs) to the point where it's like on alexa (laughs) now like and you know there's been other open world titles of course in the past 10 something years but yeah like a game like that just shows you immediately like uh, if you can have a zelda title which to me is something that yeah it's obviously huge you know one of the greatest franchises in gaming but like to me it's like not something that every it's for everyone and this right this breath of the wild game seemed accessible on a whole new level this this really opened it up yeah it gave that like wii sports level of like get turning heads (laughs) but it's not quite that big but it's the similar concept of like I get what you mean. Yeah, getting people who normally wouldn't even look at a game or play that game, that type of game, to be like, I gotta buy a system and that game. Yeah, I mean, it takes two words, man. Open world. People yeah. really they they eat that shit up quick, real quick. Yeah, it's a buzzword and it works. And even with the new Pokemon title that was announced today, Sword and Shield was announced today. The thing that one of my friends said was like, well, you said it too, but other friends had said open world. 
I think it's open world. And I was just like, not exactly, but like, and they're like, I wanted it to be like Breath of the Wild. And I was like, it's Game Freak, man. They're like the king of baby <laughs> steps. Like, they just just that. accept what it is. Wait it's, another 15 years. Exactly. Get Let's accept what <laughs> it is. Enjoy the ride. Have fun. It comes out in November. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> or don't. I don't care. Uh, it, it's it Pokemon. It good. Like, there's really nothing to complain about. It looks fine. It's fucking Pokemon. If you're a Pokemon fan... You you're know gonna what's like up. it. You're gonna have yeah, fun. Yeah, you know what's good. It's the real deal. It's on Switch. It's on the go. It's more advanced than Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu, and Eevee. So you got what you want if you've been holding out for that quote unquote real deal experience. Even though those Let's Go games are pretty awesome, right? You know, and and with you know an open world, it comes with a lot of you know <clears throat> a lot of responsibilities. Like you, you know, you, you can make a big uh, world as big as you want. But you know, the only thing personally I care about is you know what do you what are you gonna fill it with? And there there was a lot there was a lot there to to start out with um to really go with. <clears throat> I mean, there was you know new mechanics were obviously introduced like uh you know no more hearts. You know you have to cook. You have to go out and find your food and kind of cook um if you really want it to be like on your game. So it's not like. The traditional, you know, uh, grind some fairies, bottle them up, and then uh, go as long as you can. Uh, then, you know, you die and they just kind of magically bring you back. Uh, the food thing was cool. I like that. Uh, I like being able to, like, go out and pick some apples nice and peacefully in, in the field. It was really relaxing. You know, <laughs> it was like some meditation time to get... To get some fruit, you know, hunt some animals. Uh, something about that is kind of like, yeah, Link would do that. You know, I buy it. It works. You know, to, to me, that that worked uh, uh, right away. That was probably one of my favorite mechanics of the game was uh, the hunting. It was like simple, but, you know, worked. Yeah, being a survivalist is something you definitely do as part of a grand adventure. You know, something that encompasses Zelda and you're right. For the most part, it's been pretty simplistic. He relies on hearts found, you know, various pots and grass Breaking and stuff pots. like that. And then, um, you know, you're getting potions of different colors, filling up either health or magic. Although they kind of did away with magic and fairies, of course. Well, the magic I never cared about anyway. It was like skip that shit. Yeah, but now you know. Now you have <laughs> options. No, it's like whatever. It's like out the window. Now you have options to to do all sorts of things. And kind of get that element of creativity in there where it's up to the player to forage for resources and experiment. The whole game is about experimentation, mostly freedom. I was just going to say, yeah, <laughs> that's probably the one word to explain this game is, you know, experimentation. And uh, it, yeah. it, it nails it at some points, but, you know, kind of falls flat at some points experimentation and cooking and combat and the way you approach any given situation uh you know it's open and we're gonna get into it because you know this is a, a beloved series it's certainly one of if not the most favorite of gaming franchises for me i love zelda I ha i'm surrounded <laughs> like if you saw everything around me right now i have a master sword on the wall i got all the zelda games i got you know collectibles left and right you know everything it's all around me so i got them all i got link to the past i got ocarina of time i got twilight princess what do you need i got them all <laughs> i mean i love it too I've, i played friggin a really good amount of them i i genuinely enjoy the series it's one of my favorites it's top five for me twilight princess is i i mean i've told you many times my, you really love that game <laughs> it's, my, it's my favorite game of all time that's you know? a great game 
I love, believe me, I love Ocarina. It's just I played Twilight Princess first. I think it's the only reason. You know, if I. Twilight Princess was meant to kind of one up Ocarina. So. Right. Yeah. I think it, it does. You know, and you it's. Know. De- it's Whether obviously, anyone wants to. Yeah, it's a debatable topic, but at the same time, you can <laughs> say. debatable. In many ways, it does. Some ways, it doesn't. But mo- overall, I'd say it, it makes great strides. And certainly, the more realistic art style, more anime realistic dark medieval uh-huh. fantasy is like a welcome thing that they kind of shied away from and Which i wish they never did you know we'll get into that but the, my whole point about even saying why i even like the franchise is i'm not just gonna bash breath of the wild i'm not just gonna uh drive by you know hit it it's like i i both of us both of us know about the series we love it and basically my personality in life basically is waiting for the next zelda to come out that's like my general like (laughs) state of mind what i'm saying is is like when you wait for a breath of the wild after all the hype and the trailers and the music of the trailers you know getting you really into it and you're like wow this experience is going to be like transcendent and you know it it kind of for many people it's like the quote-unquote watershed moment for the series you know a big you know big changes and I'm going to say, like, we're going to kind of break down, like, everything we can think of about it in a lot of different ways. I could say that there are things we love about it, things we like about it, and then go down to the spectrum of don't dislike or hate. Or- oh, there, there's some things about this game I straight up hate and and would be angry to see in, in future installments. Like, it's it's got to go. Because, listen, like, to me... You know, you know, Sam. Sam's really got this series on lock. But you know, to my to my own personal degree, I hold Zelda really, really close to my heart. It was one of the first games, you know, even as a kid, where I was like, "This is my favorite game," and it, you know, it still is. You know, there's something. You know, just putting Link in a game doesn't make it Zelda. Absolutely not. And you, <laughs> I, a hundred percent. I still there's things about Zelda that have to be transferred over in order to keep it. Uh, Zelda, and to when I first uh, got this game, I didn't go into it like, oh, all these changes, you know, it might might not do it well because I had all the faith in Nintendo that it was still going to be Zelda, but just like on steroids, amped up. And to be honest with you, because they didn't release so much about it, there really wasn't anything released about it for me to be worried. Yeah, because everything they kind of showed you, it was nothing but promising. I mean, I can say like pretty early on, I started to get frustrated, you know. But I still was kind of like in denial, where I was like, no, 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 this is like this is the one, you know. They can never go back from this. It's like but a reboot. Yeah, it's kind of like looking back. I kind of see where they like really dropped the ball, you know, like didn't really succeed in certain strides. But you know, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to go right in bashing on it because you know i i want to flesh out what i liked because there was a lot i did like because going in the open world is like yes like i don't i don't want it to go back i want there to be an open world link it's an adventure game you should be able to have an adventure you should be able to explore there's got to be places to go um so obviously keep it keep it open world i mean we already discussed the cooking awesome you know that that was you know, for us, a very uh, welcome, welcome addition. The huge variety of weapons that went into this game was awesome. I mean, to steal an enemy's weapon and kind of use it against them was like a sick little mechanic that you can do. I mean, even though like... It's been in the series before, but not into this degree. Not, yeah, not to like, you know, like now it's mine. 
and I get to, you know, equip it and stuff. Uh, what's the word? <laughs> the final form, <laughs> almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of that uh, ability. No, definitely, definitely. You know, I, I mean, the idea of just kind of being able to, you know, go out, uh, look for a horse, jump on any horse, and kind of be able to keep it, you know, bring it to the to the stable. Yeah, not just a Pona, but any horse. Yeah, any horse. Whatever horse your little heart desires, and you can name it and dress it up and all this other stuff. Go for it. And it can die, and you can bring it back oh, yeah. to life. Everything's <laughs> there for horses. You know, stuff like that, uh, It just that only makes a game more immersive to me, no matter how you look at it. So, like, nailed it. Like, you know, I really, I, I, I enjoyed that about the game. Uh, I don't know if I left out anything that, that you wanted to throw in there, Sam. About, like, things we like about yeah, it? Yeah, things that you, you know, like, should there be another installment? Like, this can't go. This is a new idea that, you know, has to be, you know, a new Zelda staple. Oh, okay. So, hmm. Oh, I'm going to throw climbing in there. I like being able to climb on shit. Okay, so when that game came out, Breath of the Wild, I was also playing on the PS4. What's that game? Uh, The game with the robot dinosaurs. Oh, Horizon Zero Dawn? <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn. I 100%ed that game, and I couldn't remember... I couldn't remember the name of it. That says everything. It's obviously very memorable. I dropped that game dead on its <laughs> ass when Breath of the Wild came out and only finished it after I beat I that remember. game. And when I came back to where I was in uh, Horizon, I was like climbing on this mountain and I was trying to get over something. And I, like clearly on the map, you're like, oh, I need to go on the other side of this. So I'm thinking, I'm looking at it and I'm like, why the fuck can't I climb this mountain like in Breath of the Wild? What? And then when you get up to the top, and you have to get down. You have to, you know, climb like Uncharted and zip line and all this other stuff. I'm like, where's my glider? I should just be able to jump down and glide down. So Breath of the Wild spoiled me for any kind of open world traversal mechanics. They did so right by the fact that you could climb and go and do, you know, almost anything. The freedom it allows you is fantastic. I really love that. And I don't want that to go away. I love being able to climb over stuff. I don't love that. The weather system they created, which is so, you know, fantastic and realistic with the cold and the hot. I like starting forest fires. Burn it all. <laughs> yeah, like the rain really kills it. The fact that, you know, the series has had implementations of, you know, the Song of Storms and, and the Sun Song. Uh, you have no real magical ability to change anything with songs or music in this game. So that's a bummer because I would have loved to like be able to change the weather in some way so I could have not had to wait in places in order to climb something where I was stuck or this or that. You know, just off the bat, you could think about it. You know, what if you had enemies camping out by a chest? So, you, you know, you start a rainstorm and then you kind of sneak in while they go run for cover. Yeah, that's what rain. I'm talking about. I mean, like, you know, shit like that. If Nintendo makes that, I'm going to know they listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been cool to be kind of a master of nature you know like you know they've had uh you know seasons oracle of seasons where you were changing the you know the seasons and controlling the weather in that way to, to me i thought the way the game looked in certain areas like akala like it was very fall themed it reminded me of the season thing and when i saw screenshots of the game before it came out and I saw that section, you know, I had no idea what it was or what the game was about really um, in depth anyways. I thought of that. I thought, wow, am I going to be able to to see the seasons change or actually have a, an item to change them myself? And it just made me think of Zelda's own history, which is a thing that this game 
does. This game makes you think of all the Zeldas. It's kind of like like a love letter to the series, you know, taking references, Easter eggs, mechanics, this and that, enemies, anything that's Zelda is somewhat in this game to whatever extent it's in it it's probably something's there they really left no stone unturned at the same time some things that are in it it's just like a a name like the name of the place on the map is a reference like tingle island or whatever it is or anything that's that's cool that you'd be like oh as a zelda fan like you recognize it that's really all it is it's just like a little haha like remember yeah, that yeah it doesn't or- really play a part in the game you know if you're a fan you'll recognize this but it goes no further than that there's no real impact (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know if that's that's a good thing it is a good thing and it's a bad thing but i mostly like the fact that it has so much clearly they looked at the entire uh series right and decided the outcome for this new game at least they considered things you know some we're going to get into kind of how their considerations i think left things with a bad taste in our mouths but like for the most you know most part i could say give them props for what they tried you know it's like a it's a hugely ambitious open world game they went hard Zelda 1 is the main inspiration, I'd say, for this game, although it does take bits and pieces from every Zelda, of course. But Zelda 1 was the clear inspiration. I mean, the prototype for this game, the demo that they showed to developers or whatever while they were making this game to be like, here's what it's about. Let let me show you the physics system or what we have in mind for this new game. It was like a Zelda 1 demo. Like it was, it wasn't exactly Zelda 1, but the graphics and everything looked similar and and they used that as a an example of how the physics system would play out and ke- the chemical, like, you know, how, like, uh, the way the world works in Breath of the Wild is pretty realistic, you know, to the way things work in the real world. And I think that was the point of this game. That was another part of its ambition of trying to change the way we think about interacting with worlds, you know, because right. With many open world or RPGs that have been out there, they have, you know, realism to some extent, but nothing like this game. But the thing I could say about this one is like, although it does take inspiration from itself and its own roots, but it also takes inspiration notably from all the other open world games that have come out. And that's odd to me to see Nintendo look at other things like like Assassin's Creed you know, with the towers in Breath of the Wild and, you know, using that. To me, uh, that's odd to see. Like, I mean, I guess that's just an overall solution right. to how you, like, fill in a map of that size. You like, you just climb up really high. They're visual <laughs> markers. Like, it's all very obvious. I don't know if I like it. <laughs> you know, like, maybe they're, you know, to say, like, I could clearly be like, oh, they took it from that game. I personally want to always see, oh, they took it from themselves. You know, there's nothing wrong to be inspired, I guess. But with Zelda, I'm like, I want it to be the leader of the pack. Maybe that's just my own being a huge fan. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, man, I want them to show everyone what's up. And in a lot of ways, for at least for an open world game, they did. I'm like nitpicking. Like, I want them to be absolutely number one as a game franchise to show everyone like how to do it 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> and and I could say that they do show people how to do it. Many people were were and are blown away by what that game brings to the table for gaming. Like it's a game changer. Games will forever be changed by that game. I think, you know, we, I actually haven't seen any new games come out that have tried to copy it or emulate it or like, or be bigger. Yeah. You could see at the time though, that it made everyone think like, Oh, everyone's going to be going at the drawing board and it's going to be like a real, like, Oh my God, we have to do this now. Like, what were we thinking? Like, look at what Nintendo has done with this. Like, you know, genius, genius. And then I could see like in the future, it's going to be like an Iron Man, Tony Stark moment where they're like, we're not Tony Stark, sir. You know, <laughs> like we're, we're not Nintendo, we sir. We can't do that. <laughs> we can't just do that. We don't, yeah, we don't have the creative genius to pull this off. We've talked about like, it's kind of like a reboot. But the things that come to mind with this game, you know, you look at this game and and we were thinking like after we played it anyways, like how can this game in the future be expanded, you know, like or the series like when they were making this game, you know, how how could they expand the Zelda franchise after Skyward Sword? In my opinion, Skyward Sword is kind of like uh, how do I put this? Bad. Okay, so. Yeah, well, let me put it this way. The, the Zelda... F- <laughs> I don't like that one very much. Well, well hear me out. Because, yeah, I'm not really talking about, like, if it's good or bad, but it's it's pretty bad. But um, <laughs> it has its merits, too. But the point is, the Zelda formula, as we had come to know it, we called it the Ocarina of Time formula, but it really started with A Link to the Past, you know, where you get three pendants, you get the Master Sword, then you do the rest of the dungeons, you fight Ganon, that whole thing. And, you know, whatever comes in between or whatever side quests or how however big the game is or whatever that's not the main formula so that's all side content so anyways that formula starts with a link to the past ocarina of time it goes to branch out with wind waker a bit tries to change it up but ultimately bands were like i don't like this kitty cartoon looking game then twilight princess was like hey remember ocarina of time but we're gonna make it like you're all grown up now so you know you're probably ready for this kind of game it's you know a little more dark a little more serious a little more like majora's mask uh, which also deviates from the formula and gives you a bit of freedom you know that's actually one of the examples of a a Zelda game besides the first Zelda that gives you freedom to tackle it in pretty much any way you want, kind of. Anywho, it culminates. The whole formula culminates with Skyward Sword. I would say it takes all the best and worst qualities with it. You know, so much so that after that game came out, the developers of Zelda probably felt backed into a wall due to the poor reception of that game. You know, they were like, we tried everything. We we threw everything we thought Zelda was into this game. Like the good stuff, you know, the, the helper character. So it's accessible. The Navi or, you know, in this case, uh, Fee. Obviously, we know it's laughable and it's bad. But like to them, they were probably really scrambling to try to figure it all out and what worked and they tried to make that game more like have more like verticality you know in the areas you know like so they felt more dense and alive and packed and now you know funny enough breath of the wild has verticality uh (laughs) in mountains so anyways (laughs) just saying you know i feel like they scrambled to come up with what makes zelda zelda and they came out with like a passable answer with a uh, Skyward Sword, but not a definitive one, you know, which is a shame because, you know, they made Zelda to begin with and right. they have a wealth of resources beyond any of us Zelda fans, you know, to research such a topic, at least in theory. With Breath of the Wild, it also is not a definitive 
answer to what makes a Zelda a Zelda. I feel like they once again, you know, once they got backed into a wall, they were kind of like nervous about what to do. So they started coming up with new ideas. So they come up with the nature aspect, the whole title of the game, Breath of the Wild. Nature is the game and how you interact with it, all the things you can do, the weather, lightning, fire, water, ice, you know, all the elements are pretty game realistic. As much as they try to figure it out and be like, what makes a Zelda a Zelda? I don't really feel they they nailed it. Nah. You know, the original game had went from only having an old man as like the dude, right? Like the guy in the game. I mean, there's an old woman too, but mostly it's unpopulated except by monsters, which, you know, it's acceptable. It has like a couple characters in the game besides you that are like not something you that attacks you or you attack it. Then the second game, you know, you're having whole villages populated, which the uh, the world feel more alive and lived in, you know, with Zelda 2. And then the Link to the Past, every everything in uh, A Link to the Past feels packed and lived in and vibrant, you know, because of the color scheme and whatnot. But, you know, even though there aren't that many people in A Link to the Past, the smaller map that that game has gives you the feeling that it's a fully packed, alive world. And I would say that when it switched to 3D, obviously it's mind-blowing that a Zelda game's now in 3D. Um, they have the Z targeting lock-on system and all this other stuff going for it at the time that was like mind-blowing. Ocarina also feels pretty alive, where there are different races with their own sections filled with people and history and Hyrule Castletown and Kakariko are like the most alive areas in that game, I'd say. No, yeah, that's like a world that exists. Yeah, exactly. And then like, you know, especially for the time, Wind Waker, I, you know, for being mostly water feels pretty alive as well, even though like, I, you know, like I said, you're, you're on a boat most of the time, but that place feels like any island you stop on, at least the major islands, they, they feel alive with people and the hustle and bustle. And they have a npc system where it's kind of like majora's mask where they're on like schedules and stuff and they kind of do the same things throughout the day and you kind of learn you know where people will be and what they do and that's an rpg thing that i appreciate when they kind of try to breathe these other people in the game are doing stuff too not just standing there statically like they kind of like actually exist as their own personality. Yeah, to some to an acceptable extent. I don't need like every single thing possible. But as gaming goes on, you know, we come to want more and more. And that is the escalation, making more advanced NPC schedules, I guess. Breath of the Wild <laughs> certainly has it. People are from, you know, 24 hours a day. They're doing whatever they do for the most part. That's cool. But anyways, my point is, is I'm just going through all, all the old games and kind of giving a recap for, for the ultimate point here of Breath of the Wild. So Twilight Princess is a much bigger overworld than Ocarina of Time, but I felt like because it was bigger, it suffered a little bit because of, uh, although Hyrule Castletown in that game is pretty packed and alive, like Ocarina was, Kakariko to me felt more run down and empty you know and obviously there was in-game reasons for why it felt that way and was that way it had been taken over in the snap but it still didn't even feel or look the same they just tried something different with it and that's okay but you know the races of that game you know the goron the zora you know all that stuff even ordon village you know the starting town gave you a sense that the world was being filled in with real characters and they had stakes throughout the story so it made up for any lack of life that I thought was in like Hyrule Field. And Skyward Sword had Skyloft, which is okay. It's pretty packed, I guess. But, you know, some of the islands have people on it too. But mostly the game's pretty empty. 
due to sto- the story reason of the surface world, like being a raw place filled with monsters that took over the land. You know, so the progression of the whole Zelda series is what I'm talking about here, and it's been sort of steady in scale. Um, but Breath of the Wild takes things to an unprecedented level of scale, but it didn't like ramp up the life in these areas in an acceptable way. All these games have a slow, gradual progression of getting bigger and bigger and trying to fill it in more. Breath of the Wild is like, here's a country, you know, many, many areas, here's the country of Hyrule or whatever. Many areas of the game have no life, you know, besides enemies or just like nature itself, which, you know, it's beautiful in its own way, but that's where I'm like, come on, like, (laughs) I have... I want it to feel like people live here, man, like and are doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're like, don't give me... You're like, listen, you know, there's no point in making it like this monumental size if all you're going to give me is grass, mountain, and tree. It's like, make make a city, make towns, make... And, you know, this brings me to a point that I definitely wanted to get to is that, you know, even your classic Zelda um, areas, uh, like the Zora Domain uh, or, or Death Mountain, are legitimately reduced to, like, nothing, where... It's like Twilight Princess, Death Mountain is like just getting there is like a pain in the ass. Like, you know, the go- the Gorons, you know, are are <laughs> are against you. You know, you kind of have to make your way in and then it's a whole dungeon from there. And then Breath of the Wild, it was like really, really underwhelming and even more so for the Zora Domain. I thought it when I got to the Zora Domain, I had expected to to go in there and be able to venture beyond it and it would expand and be huge. It's like one little speck on the map. Like, it really, it's nothing. It's legitimately nothing. You know, and, you know, and I guess that kind of brings, it kind of bleeds into this point where it's like, well, they're not dungeons. And then to me, it's just like, why? <laughs> you know, what? Why would you not do that? If you're going to make a, uh area that's that huge... And then not put equally huge dungeons in it. And you, what, what are they here for? Yeah, the lack of like interior areas in that game is staggering. You know, instead, instead of creating 900 little shrines, you could have made multiple dungeons. Yeah, I always thought that the shrines, while, um, they served a good function as far as being warp locations, you know, once you beat them, I felt like they could have been clustered into a bigger, shrine that was a better thought out dungeon than just these little tiny puzzles that basically are like the equivalent of a morning like sudoku puzzle but maybe maybe even not as complicated as that you're just like in and out in a breeze and then like moving along and any of the chests in those uh shrines um, only a, a scant few have actual like armor that you get in them for going out of your way to like find these hidden treasure chests and they give you, you know like permanent armor that you could use throughout the game but most of the the weapons or whatever is just like fluff right it doesn't give you anything and of course beating the shrines gives you the little what are those the shrine orbs or whatever that you use to upgrade your stamina meter or your hearts permanently. You know, I feel like uh, beating a dungeon and getting a heart container was a pretty good uh, solution from the get-go of the series. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's something that, like, to me, it didn't need to change. It felt like I was missing something. Like, you yeah. didn't give me a better alternative to it, you know? Right. It's just different, It's not just better. different and not better. And in, in many ways makes you wonder why or what were they thinking 
what was their real determination to eliminate the old system of finding hidden heart containers and having to overcome challenges um, and then put a different system of overcoming challenges that aren't really challenges. It's just like showing off the physics system or ways to use the runes with very light combat expected of you at times. Nothing major for the most part is is required. You know, that that has to do the dungeon thing to me like when i play zelda one of the coolest things about skyward sword is this little flare they do before you go into a dungeon they play the swelling music and then he walks down link walks down the stairs and it gives me the exact feeling of walking down the stairs of a dungeon in zelda one and you know that's the intention and for a game like breath of the wild which takes so much inspiration from zelda one to not have dungeons or any moments like that where like you're walking into this themed area. And I believe this goes back to what I was saying about Skyward Sword, how Skyward Sword's dungeons to me, I think are a little too complex or confusing for most or the average player. I mean, I didn't have any trouble with them. Skyward Sword? Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's see. How long ago did that game came out? I think I played it when I... 2011. Same year as Skyrim. um okay so i was 14 yeah i beat through it pretty quick but like i mean i was used to the series by then i i kind of went through you know that's what i'm saying so so we're talking about the difference between someone who's used to the series and has seen zelda puzzles before and dungeons and stuff like that and know how to handle them versus their approach with this game of wanting the freedom to be played in any way and have limited things getting in your way from stopping you from completing any part of it there's very little parts of that game that are actually like like you can't get by it except i would say lionels as an enemy like that's the the thing that people would die to probably any player no matter your skill level would die to it until you learn how to handle it and then they become like nothing like i could i could beat the crap out of a lionel like they should be scared of me at this point i'm just saying you know that that just comes with experience yeah playing the game and mastery of the game's combat and your experimentation and learning about the creature what you can do can't do whatever the dungeons of the game are everything in this game no matter in terms of difficulty it's trying to be inoffensive like it's not like, yeah, the guardians are scary and they're all throughout the overworld and they come after you and they'll kill you with lasers and whatnot. You just run away from them and you know not to go where they are if you're that terrified. And later you learn that you can stand up to them. You just you just keep moving and they can't get you. Yeah, it's yeah. But in terms of like the dungeons, they're all like really like pretty short, compact places that have no interesting theme to them they're all just like technological ish you know like it's like ancient but somehow advanced like look at me and they all look the same no matter if you know they're different animals or whatever different creatures like you're inside for the actual quote-unquote dungeons yeah they got different puzzles and they got different like oh one's water one's like electrical you know fire it's it is themed, but we're talking about like the lightest of wisps of theme. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not like it should be. It's not like it has been. All. And the excitement of that, yeah, you could say like, oh, we've done that a million times before. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys only started making HD games as of recent, and like for Wii U is their first HD uh, console, and they had you know Twilight Princess come out 
and Wind Waker, or it was Wind Waker, then Twilight Princess HD, but then your new Zelda game comes out and you think they're going to making these games and kind of replaying them or looking at them to see like what makes a Zelda a Zelda. And they, they come out and they're like, oh yeah, what makes a Zelda a Zelda is no interesting dungeons. And you're just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is not. I got to say, that's got to be the fuck. And where's my dungeons? <laughs> I, I really, what they came up with was just not acceptable. Like this is, it was child's play. It's like this, the, literally, if you could take three things of what Zelda is, one of them is going to be the dungeons, you know? That's yeah, that's sure. the point of the game. It's not like something that had to be scrapped or, you know, like, oh, this has to be, you know, it could, okay, it could have been innovated on, it could have been, uh, but like, even if you gave me a traditional dungeon, but it was in this open world, that would have made the game feel that much bigger and fuller. It's basically creatively devoid, whereas Mario Odyssey takes elements and themes like a desert level or something but then they're like oh but what if it was like cold what if there's ice and you know stuff like that and it's like now you're taking themes and now you're uh fusing fusion of themes yeah and now you're making it wacky and throwing it on its head yeah plus like the mexican theme that they threw in there like that's also awesome like that's different nintendo certainly you know they had the whole theme of wanting you to feel like you're traveling the world but i mean in, in, in zelda you know you expect that same level of care and thought and creativity and they've shown it in the past with no problem and if you're having a problem with theming being like oh i don't want to just make the fire temple well come up with something don't just come up with technological generic dungeon right it's just gar it's a garbage solution to something that wasn't a problem in my eyes, I didn't have a problem with having a theme. Just do something interesting, then. Yeah, even if it even if it was a traditional like forest, water, fire, it would have been it would have felt new just being in that game. It's always worked before. Yeah, it's not. I don't. I don't know what they were thinking, man. Like I can't. I'm trying to think of a reason as to why, you know, they would do this. But <laughs> you know, for all you out there, me and Sam have spent many off-cast hours trying to figure out why they would have done something like this just just doesn't make sense man it never adds up it's not something it's not something that is going to add up or you know unless you're nintendo you're not going to know what their reasoning was behind that and and to be honest with you i feel like i wouldn't be wrong if i were to assume that like people weren't on board you know at nintendo i can't imagine that everyone in the room was like great idea get rid of like 90% of what makes the game great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they were very split on a lot of these decisions, which is the thing. It's like you could tell they went through the whole series because of, you know, the, the all the references in the game. But at the same time, you can tell, like, they decided on something. You know, they decided on what the game is. And what the game is is what they decided on. And the things that are left out are very apparent as far as Zelda staples and the spirit of Zelda, or whatever you want to call it. Dungeons are one of them, like real theme dungeons. There's a lack of a of any cave system. What do you you know, in in most Zelda games, ever since I'd say well, Zelda one, you know, there's you know, little caves you you go into and although in Zelda one they're very uh small, like usually a one room affair. In Zelda two, you're going through a lot more caves. Enemies are are dwelling in them. Sometimes they're dark, completely dark, and you need a candle or a light source to see and light the way which makes sense you go through death mountain and it's a total cave system it's a maze cave system you can get lost in um in breath of the wild for being a whole country there there's like 
Yeah, there's like caves, kind of hmm. like, but it's usually like a brief tunnel you walk through. Like it's almost almost the level of like a Pokemon tunnel. Like it's just like here's some Zubats, like here's some Keys, <laughs> and then you're out on the other side, traveling and going on your way. But there's no progression in them. There's no mystery secret. Maybe a Korok puzzle, uh, which is another thing I'll get into. But essentially, the lack of cave system, even in the dungeons. There's no like well-designed, varied bosses or even mini bosses in these dungeons. And every Zelda game has had like pretty damn good design. Not only ma- main bosses, but the mini bosses have been something to look forward to yeah, as well. Sometimes they even provide more of a challenge. And like they're more memorable or, or just better designed. And personally, one that comes to mind is the, the ball and chain one. From uh, Twilight Princess. When you go to the Yeti's house. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. Like, that's, listen, something like that just proves to me, like, they can innovate. Like, that's that's a dungeon that's, like, kind of not been done before. I mean, yeah, it's... That's not a traditional dungeon. Yeah, that's not a traditional dungeon. Like, yeah, it has, like, ice elements, but, like... Sure, sure. But the there's, like, a twist. You know, you go outside and, like... Yeah, you go outside in like a little courtyard. Uh, you know, you switch back and forth between human and dog. As you were kind of mentioning before, uh, the series really has lacked from not having like an instrument or like kind of that extra realm of like turning into, you know, another species or something like that. Like it's it's missing that thing. You're you're just right. Link, and Link's bare abilities is all he has, and your you're starting out tools, uh, weapons. What do the I want to say? Runes. Yeah. The runes. That's it. It doesn't get better than that. There you go. That's the whole game. <laughs> you can unlock every secret from the beginning. It's that's like, a pro to them and to most players. And I could. Yeah, to them, it's like that's a pro. And it's like to me, it's like, well, where's the progression in like equipment? Like, I want to find more equipment. And you know, maybe I could buy better equipment. Like, okay, maybe the maybe the hook shot isn't something that's in the game. But why can't I go buy it somewhere? Why why can't, you know, maybe you know, not that it's not in the game, but you know, not something that's necessary to progress. But that doesn't mean it didn't have to be in the game that there couldn't be like an area where there was a heart piece that was only attainable by, you know, using the hook shot or something. You know, why? Why? <laughs> you know, like, how, could, how do you have Zelda without the hook shot? Like, it's like, it's a thing that has to be there now. To me, at least. From what I understand about the hook shot is they toyed with, with using it in development, <laughs> but eventually, ultimately, it was taken out. And, you know, for whatever reason. And to me, that's like a staple... Well, there's many classic Zelda items that are or tools that are staples, and then there's the ones that are new, and some are better than others. But a lot of the times, they're pretty good or cool. You want to use them in the world and inter- interact with the world and stuff like that. I can understand what they were doing with the runes. It's obvious, you know, they they want you to be able to solve any situation from the get go, no matter where you are, as soon as you get off the Great Plateau, anyways, with all those four runes. And yeah, you can upgrade those runes to be better, but something like the hookshot, I was thinking, okay, if you're gonna take that out, you know, all right. Um, I would have enjoyed them putting in smaller sections of the game that like maybe secluded you in an area. Since they weren't comfortable clearly with keeping these items or those classic Zelda tools in and having them used freely, um, I would have settled for a smaller area Kind of like the labyrinths that they had in the game, you know, that are meant to invoke the classic Zelda experience of like a maze-like dungeon that... Right. Anyways, uh, it, these labyrinths that they had in the game could have utilized the classic Zelda items 
to get through or solve puzzles in them. And those areas could have even had classic Zelda bosses that you needed those classic tools or items to take them out. They have the labyrinths, you know, to be like, ooh, remember Zelda 1? Those labyrinths have no real bosses at the end of them. They're just a nod to Zelda 1 and 2, but they don't have anywhere near the same heft or impact. Nah. And it's like, well, there's no there's no need for a nod. Like, just you you have the room. Just put it in. Yeah, exactly. You know how excited I was to see a friggin' labyrinth in Zelda again? <laughs> like an actual, like, old school, like, that's like the first I game. I mean, that's like, like something for, you know, fans like you who have been around, you know? Yeah, you get some, like, armor in, in uh, some of them, but, like, mostly it's, like, like a pointless endeavor. Like, it never, it doesn't pay off in the way it should. That's, that's huge for a Zelda fan from, you know, a long-time Zelda fan to see that. You, you know it means something, like, incredible. And then it just, I walk out of there and I'm just like, man, like, the potential... <laughs> like squandered it's like they started it but didn't finish it it's like if you were able to do this on the fucking nes what why isn't it here fully fledged yeah that's what gets me <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what gets me gets me every time yeah that actually reminds me of something else about <laughs> this situation we're in here um we're the nes so the nes Obviously, uh, Link starts out with a tunic, uh-huh. the green tunic. And as you go through the game, you get different rings that change the color of your tunic, which notes your defense. So it gives you know gives you greater defense abilities to survive in the world. So that's the game that started it. Uh, Zelda 2, I'm pretty sure you get magic to up your defense. And then Link to the Past, you get different colored tunics yet again, eventually. Ocarina of Time, I believe you just, you don't have any like tunic that helps you out with defense, but it helps you out with the elements, being that surviving in, in Death Mountain lava uh based areas are just extreme heat. And then the blue tunic lets you breathe underwater somehow. <laughs> So cool, you know, different elements, survivability. The way you actually fortify in Ocarina of Time is the great fairy fortifies your hearts and it puts like a white outline around your hearts to make you stronger. So, okay, you know, they changed it up there. I pretty much forget the specifics at the moment for the rest of the series about how that goes. But my point is green tunic, iconic classic it's link the best uh, look at any smash brothers game that has him in it he's wearing green yeah you could change his colors and stuff that's that's link look at any picture of him besides breath of the wild he's got green on so that's what he wears you know so in this game they decided to gate the green tunic behind all 120 shrines to get it it's you know once you do it's like an epic moment because it's like getting 120 stars in, in mario 64 right so like that's what i thought of i was like oh, all right a little nod to that but you you know you've pretty much beaten the entire game to get this thing that was given to you at the start of many zelda games or at least early on enough because they kind of made it a thing you know, in like Wind Waker and Twilight Princess where you kind of earn the green tunic. It kind of reminded me uh, back when I was still sort of active with Assassin's Creed. Well, the last Assassin's Creed game, I even bothered to touch uh, Unity where it was like every single ability that you used to have was taken from you and you have to now get it back through like means of like leveling up or whatever where it's like, okay, you know, dual hidden blades 
was a thing yeah. in Assassin's Creed 2. And then it's like in Unity, it's like you have one now and you have to upgrade to get two. And it's like, hey, you can't just take that from me. Like, it's, you know, it's it's not like, you know, if this was a thing from the beginning where it was like, yeah, you level up and you buy more equipment and then you get stronger, then yeah, I could see that. But, you know, there was already a system in Assassin's Creed where you could buy weapons. But the, the double blade, that's... Even canically in the story, that's a thing that they have. You can't just take that. So, to me, in Zelda, to to make it so difficult to get is just like, why? Like, I'm supposed to have this. Like, that's the thing. I'm supposed to have that. You know what? You know whether or not you want me to try on different clothes or whatever. Which you know, I wound up is up to you. Yeah, I found my own style and I liked it. But there's no reason you have to like take something away from me so that I don't. I'm not like inclined to use it or whatever the reason is. And and that's got to be it. Is that they were like, oh, everyone's just gonna wear it if they want. But so what? I was just thinking that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like who cares? Where's your freedom? Give people the freedom then. Why can't I match and wear some of the tunic but wear with a hoodie instead of a hat? I did I did mix and match the tunic of the wild with different things cuz I wanted to give it a fresh like take on it or just just kind of play around. That's kind of the fun of the clothing in that game, which I feel overall they do right, where they give you all these different armors and clothing uh-huh. and even the DLC clothing. It's very cool, you know, the dyes that you could change the colors of each outfit. It's cool. Right. But, you know, what's not cool, you know, so you have a new tunic. Uh, it's like a shirt, actually, being blue. Blue is the the signifier of change uh, for Link, for the series. Yeah, yeah, we get it, you know. But it's also, you know, the game's supposed to support the series' roots. The ability of the Tunic of the Wild outfit also kind of sucks. Uh-huh. It's it just lets you like have uh I I believe more powerful or longer uh sword beams for the master sword like when you go you know how normally you you could go to throw your weapon and you actually toss it like throw it. <laughs> yeah. With the master sword if you have full health um it lets you shoot at a sword beam which is mainly used for cutting down grass. It actually isn't that useful for defeating enemies like in the past. Really gets that grass though. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the perfect lawnmower. Zelda has also been known for the sword beam thing uh, since the first game where you have full hearts. You could shoot at a little sword beam and it's awesome. Uh, Link to the Past, I feel like, does it extremely well. That's like very satisfying to have those circular like mm-hmm. sword beams flying out. Um, other games have done it since. When you have the opportunity, you want to see it done well oh, yeah. and have a, a good impact. And I didn't feel like it had a great impact like it should. It felt like some of the magic of the Master Sword was lost in the sword beam element. Other elements, too, being durability. But, you know, we'll get into that when we talk about the weapon durability issue. Got a lot to say about those weapons, man. Yeah, you know, the Master Sword is, is kind of like the tip of that um, iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> Moving right along to <laughs> everything else. So, okay, we, we this game's theme, freedom. Freedom to play however you want. Freedom to complete the game in almost any order. You know, you can go beat Ganon right from the start if you wanted to. Um, they, You know, you have the choice. Which you could totally do. Yeah, no, you can. Yeah, totally worth it because it's definitely plausible and can happen. And people lose their minds over that shit. They're like, you could go to the end. And it's like, okay, but like, 
you're not going to win. Like, what's the point anyway? That's the end for a reason. Not only that, but like when you, you know, you obviously could beat it if, if you wanted to or had the, the scale or whatever. But my thing is just like, okay, like I've, I mentioned this to you, but it's like starting a movie and being like, I'm going to like Star Wars and being like, like, I'm going to just skip to the credits. Like, what's the point? Then you just, you know, you just bought a new game to get to just totally discard the experience within. Like, yeah, it's cool to have freedom of choice or even, you know, maybe not beat them right away. But like whenever, like a little bit into it, you're like, I want to take a crack at it and see what happens. Like, it's cool that like they have the concept of, oh, the villains out there, like you could just go there and, uh, you know, have a swing at them and you'll probably die. So you probably won't end up, you know, committing to that. But you could do it. And my whole thing is just like, yeah, that hasn't been done before in game design, really. I mean, maybe it has, but all I'm saying is it's like, ah. it's a notable concept in the game that people think is exclusive to Breath of the Wild anyways. But my point is, it's just like, just because it's something you can do doesn't mean you should. Right. It really, to me, it doesn't add anything significant other than freedom. So my point is, is this freedom, right? So you're going through the game. Uh, you can go anywhere you want after you get off the the great plateau and what a what a feeling that is to just explore and in every direction you look it's vast there's things going on in the distance in the sky in the land like it looks crazy like you, a really breathtaking moment mhm i'd say the game has magical moments the opening when you run out after you wake up and you know the music's playing and you're on that little cliff you know like the title moment of the game when it shows you the logo, it says it all. Like, you're just like, wow, this is crazy huge. Like, what am I about to get into? You know, look at the size of the, this world. You know, what? even when I was playing the game and I got off the Great Plateau, I had a great time. My experience, I played this game for like 200 plus hours. I did like everything you could do pretty much. I, I had my own fun with it, of course. Like, 200 plus hours of fun, including like DLC and stuff like that. But my point is, is that looking back on this, I see just because I had the freedom to go wherever I want, every place that I went to, you know, when I think about it, I did go to Zora's domain first as far as like that. Yeah, that's where I went yeah. to because the game kind of points you in that direction, I guess, even though there's this so-called freedom. But anyways, <clears throat> it's fine. So that, you know, it gives you a starting point. It's fine. It makes sense anyways to go there. And it's a cool it's a cool little area for what it is. The characters are neat. Anyways, my point is is that you go to Zora's domain, you beat it, you do everything there is to do there for the time, and then you're on to the next place wherever you want to go. And there's no progression, you know, besides the power gain, you know, like you get um, you know, more hearts and maybe more weapons and more experience. Uh, how to take on enemies and like handle the controls and the terrain and this and that. But really what I want, it only goes so far with the freedom. Like I want to sense that the world acknowledges your actions besides like what you do in the main story areas where the different races reside. I want you, after you beat Zora's Domain, just for example, I want everyone like Calamity Ganon's like, He's got his feelers out in the world, right? Like he's controlling all the guardians or maybe he's not, maybe he's subdued. But anyways, his enemies are out there and clearly everywhere. There's monsters filling the entire world. They they know what to do. They want to kill Link or anyone that's good. You 
don't get a sense that that they they were fortified and ready for your arrival and i think it would have been really like groundbreaking to have an event system in place where if you went mm-hmm. somewhere and beat it or did something the the game would change and it, they were aware that you were running around yeah it would change accordingly to what you were doing and that would really give you that sense of a, a unique like experience rather than like show up so, so you beat Zora's Domain again, as the example, and then you go to the Gerudo place, and it's basically like treating you as though you're going here for the first time, which is true, you are, but it's treating you like it's the beginning of the game everywhere you go. There's no, there's like a flat level of everything, yeah. of difficulty, of like how characters interact with you, how enemies interact with you. You know, I would have loved to see, like, at imagine the last place you went to after having defeated all the other areas in the game, you know, the last place they like lined up like an army. They knew you were coming. They like set up like attack. It was like a cutscene, maybe even, you know, to show you like these guys have heard about you. This is their last stand. It's you or them. Right. You know, something cool like that. It would kind of take it back to the story in the game where like Link gets defeated by the Guardians. Imagine like if you had a moment where you have, you could be in that area again and then all the guardians are there but you you're stronger now like you're (laughs) you're like invincible now you have the power of all the champions within you all their abilities you know all the stuff you get in the game your armors like increased like all this stuff and then you come out on top imagine being like yeah you might you might have like wounded me deeply but uh, you know i'm back and i'm here for like vengeance you know (laughs) and just show you like you're you're Link for a reason. Like, you're the guy. Right. Like, you're the guy they fear. And in the cutscenes of the past, you know, all the cutscenes in the game, the memory cutscenes anyways, show you the past. Of, and they show you, one of them's, like, about Link being, like, this crazy monster killer. I wanted to, ha- like, yeah, you have that moment in the game where you're, you know, taking out people. But I wanted, a, like, a slaughterhouse moment where you're just, like, doing that. I, the moment they showed you in the cutscene, I wanted to lay, like bodies everywhere of all the creatures in the game and be like yeah i still got it that's still me but even more so now because of the events that transpired within the game and and your control of the character has increased link's experience and power tremendously (coughs) if you know what i mean right with that said you know link's combat you could do a lot of different experimentation in the game you can handle combat in many different scenarios but I kind of was a little disappointed that all the prior or many of the prior Zelda games have started amping up what Link could do in terms of swordplay. And you had all sorts of advanced techniques. You're learning from different characters in the game. You're seeking out or encountering masters of combat that teach you cool new moves. And that's like actually interesting in, in pushing Link's abilities as a swordsman in a place that's exciting because now you can do these awesome moves i think twilight princess is one of the best examples of having like really cool sword moves you can do or even shield stuff and yeah you know you could do all sorts of stuff in this game and they give you like like the slow-mo thing and being able to like repel stuff with your shield but like the fact that you can't seek out people in the game to teach you like better sword moves, to me it's like a, a drawback. Because and one of the reasons is story wise in that game, Link's supposed to be like the champion. He's the he's Zelda's guardian. He's like the swordsman. But I didn't right. I didn't feel like like yeah, obviously he could swing a sword. He knows how to wield a sword. 
He can wield all a variety of weapons and do all sorts of stuff. He's obviously skilled. But I mean, sword play is nothing like the other Zelda games. There's reasons for it. But I'm still like, come on, you couldn't have given him like the tornado spin or like all these other moves that they had in the past or like, like, you know, the down thrust or like. It would have been the time to bring it back. Yeah. Like they didn't give him anything. To me, it's just something I don't like about it. It's something that they were doing something. They were going like, it's like progression of the series overall over time. They kept escalating the fact that you have a sword, you know, (laughs) like that's part of Zelda. That's what makes Zelda Zelda. They kind of just stripped it away completely. And they said, that's not what makes Zelda Zelda. You know, and I was like, come on. Like, that's just cool. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be cool to, like, be better with with your, your main weapon of choice? And especially once you get the Master Sword. That's when uh, using a sword becomes your primary focus as a fan of the series. Oh, yeah, definitely. Who gets the Master Sword in Zelda and is just like, oh, just use my spear. Like... <laughs> yeah, you have the freedom to use whatever you want. And the fact that everything has durability, and now we're going to talk about durability of weapons, makes it so that you can't use the Master Sword 100% of the time. And I get that they want you to go area to area and feel kind of like the survivability aspect where you're having to pick weapons off of enemies and kind of be on the seat of your pants. And, like not, and the Master Sword breaks every now and then because you know they want you to be not ultra powerful all the time fuck you i get all that but larry i'm gonna i'm gonna hand this durability thing off to you a little bit you know i have stuff to say about it go for it man like kill it (laughs) oh yeah all right listen i just need a little sigh out you know i can't i mean what the whole point that i bought the game was this new fact, say, I get so frustrated just thinking about it. Listen, the whole goal of the game should have been to get the best weapons, right? But here's the problem every weapon does break, and I understand that. There's plenty of games uh, where shit breaks, you know, like in fucking Dark Souls, shit breaks, but you could get a repair box, or you can go to the blacksmith, and you can get your shit fixed, repaired. It can be forged to be even stronger. You know, everything has a base set to it. And then you, you know, through any means you can, um, you know, whether you need certain materials or you could just straight up pay the guy to upgrade your weapons. And this is not a foreign thing to Zelda at all either. You know, I just recently, I'm going through a link to the past right now. I just upgraded my sword. You know, I've, uh, you can upgrade your sword in Majora's Mask. You can get better swords in Ocarina of Time. That's not a thing that's foreign to Zelda. So why they decided this was a thing to drop and to make it so that everything has this sort of durability. When a good weapon has durability, no matter how long it is, when it breaks, it's going to feel like it was a short time. You know, you wind up getting these great weapons, and I we were specifically talking about the Guardian weapons. Yeah, um, champion. Once you get the... Oh, I'm sorry, champion it's weapons. It's cool. I get a mix-up all the time. Yeah, I, I do it all the time. So once you get them, why use them? You don't want them to break. They're the best weapons. So you wind up using the shittier weapons anyway which is what they don't want you to do. But because they don't give you any sort of alternative for anything else, you're you're kind of fucked. Like, you're forced to do that. And, you know, the same goes for, uh, you know, even the shields. Like, the, dude, the Hylian shield. It's the Hylian shield. It shouldn't break. That's like, that should be endgame material right there. You know, again, you wind up just hanging it on the wall because you're... 
there's just no point to use it. You're not you're never going to you're never going to use it. Like to say that the Highland Shield has lost its significance really sucks. And that's a that's something you don't want to admit. And yet, you know, yeah, you can buy it again. But you shouldn't have to. You never had to before. Yeah, why, why waste you, your time? Yeah, why do you got to do it now? You know, what? it's just like I get speechless thinking about it because I still can't believe that this is really how it happened, how it went down. Ugh, the Master Sword, man. To, I remember when I first got the Master Sword, the reason I wanted it is because I was getting like a little sick of the whole like weapons breaking thing because if you're kind of in the middle of a quest or... In the mid, like you're dead set on doing something, and you have some sort of objective, and you're spending half the time making sure you have the weapons, and then say you get kind of stuck on a hard enemy. Now, like half your weapons are broke. It's like, well, now I'm never gonna be able to finish this part that I was doing because now I gotta go weapon farm, you know? Because that now that's like a thing that I have to do for yeah. like no apparent reason. <laughs> it's like it's so foolish. So. You know, I spent all the time to make sure that I could get the Master Sword. Once I got it, I'm like, finally. Like, you know, okay, now... This is it. I can play the game. They got the music. They got the music. <laughs> like, this is it. This is what I wanted. This is... Okay, now it's Zelda. Like, this is it. The fucking thing needs to recharge? You just shit all over the Master Sword. Now, you can go ahead and tell me that, you know, a champion weapon breaks. A axe breaks. Okay, that... that Shit like that, that's fine. I get that. Okay, the bow's breaking is a little strange. That that still doesn't make any sense. You know, it's a bow. But if you're going to turn around and tell me that over time, the Master Sword is now not what it used to be. Like, this is a weapon. Canically, this is the same weapon, right? Yeah. This is the same weapon. It has never before acted like this, where it turns off and it has to charge. And it's not like a broken half or anything. Right. Like, it's the same. It's, you can, I see it. It looks fine. There's no reason it should be acting like this. So now it's just like, now you're overforcing this idea that you want me to try every weapon to the point where I get a weapon that I already know how it works and that it should be the best weapon in the game, and you just shit on it. What were they thinking? What could have possibly been going through their mind when they did something like that? That's really critical. You're really, you know, you're really fucking with something that really shouldn't be It's almost sacred to the with. series. Yeah, it, perfect. <laughs> it's sacred to the series. That's something you don't touch. You know, that Ocarina of Time, that's a big moment when you get that sword. You know, and the, and the same huge for multiple reasons. Oh yeah, for for many many reasons, and you just dwindled it to something so insignificant that it's like kind of insulting to a longtime fan of the series. Uh, one of the things about like swords and, and stories or, or any media in general is when you have a powerful like uh, fantasy sword, like in Skyward Sword, they kind of go through that whole thing of. This is a a weapon that starts off, th you know, a certain way, kind of a weaker state. And throughout the game, you're kind of getting it blessed or fortified. And like it's becoming the sacred Master Sword over time. And you get to see the origins of the Master Sword. And you get to see, you know, that that Fee lives inside the Master Sword as an entity, as this like AI 
power, you know, that right. is in it. And in Breath of the Wild, that's also referenced that she's still in it and she talks to Zelda a little bit. And then um, you don't actually ever see her or anything. It's just acknowledged, you know, in other media like, uh, I don't know, like Samurai Jack or something. His sword also is like blessed by the gods or like some powerful blacksmith up above, you know, just like it's the iconic sword of the series is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. And the fact that it wasn't broken in any way. That Link just died. Like It should have been a, a pivotal moment. Especially since, you know, it's not like you could just walk up to it and it's like, dude, you're Link. You can just pull it out. Like, they make you work for it, too. Yeah, you're not like the king, you know? Nah, they make you work for that shit, man. What they do is kind of cool for actually pulling the sword. Normally, you need, like, pendants or something to prove your worth before you can get it. You know, a cha- a test of the gods or something like that. In this one, they kind of have a reference to Zelda 1 again, of course, where you need the correct amount of heart pieces to even pull it. But they had a twist to it. Like, in Zelda 1, you needed... The old man's just like, here's an upgraded sword. And if you went to touch it, you could pass right through it if you didn't have the right amount of hearts but once you do you get that sword like that's it you you can claim it use it and it's more powerful than the wooden sword the master sword uh in this you know it kind of adds a twist where yeah you needed like 13 hearts or something like that and as you're trying to pull it it's like draining your life force so if you didn't have enough uh hearts the deku tree like stops you and then he's like I'm warning you, like, you could die. And I went, that happened to me. I was, like, one heart short. And then I was like, yeah, right, I'll just do it. And then, like, you straight up have a freaking heart attack and die, essentially. Um, you die. <laughs> so it's kind of yeah. cool. Like, you can't just take it. You need to have the strength. What I'm saying is, is the Master Sword in this game, the durability thing on the Hylian shield and the Master Sword, if you're going to have it where they break at least have a function within the game where you can have them tempered or fortified in some way. And I think overall the solution to this durability problem is all weapons should be able to be fortified in some way or have the ability to travel this huge countryside and find a uh, traveling, wandering blacksmith or they, you know, they could be hidden somewhere. Maybe you could talk to people and they have clues on where one would be or this or that, and you're like, you know, picking up the pieces and eventually you find them and they teach you or they themselves can do it or they teach you how to increase the durability of your own weapons that would, you know, make exploration much more exciting other than finding, you know, literal Korok shit as the thing to go around and explore for. Mm-hmm. Like, um, <laughs> so I'm saying like, imagine, okay, you have a durability problem, but Link should learn how to how to make weapons better and, you know, the resources you gather in the game, the precious metals and this, this and that, you know, and wood and, and all this other, you know, material resource you, you could use then to like, just like cooking, have recipes for your weapons and also kind of like add that creative element to figuring out how to make your weapons better. And yet you naturally pick up weapons that are stronger throughout the game. There's certainly better sticks 
than other sticks and clubs and swords and yeah. you know every weapon class. Why wouldn't Link gain the experience and ability like anything else in an RPG or action RPG or whatever, like a Zelda game, that you could increase the ability on this thing? The DLC adds the the master trials where you eventually make the master sword like its full potential. Mm-hmm. It's much better and this and that. But I'm like, why did it have to wait till DLC to be able to do something like that? And it's not even a full solution. It's pretty good. Uh, you know, I'll give them that. The overall problem is durability exists for everything, and it still exists, even with DLC for the Master Sword. So it's a non-solution overall. It's just like a little tiny band-aid on a thing that they clearly knew was a problem. And by the time the DLC came out, I already didn't care. That's my that's my point about the DLC. So the DLC, just real quick, you know, it's pretty good overall, all the DLC that they came out with. It came so late after the game's release for me. I had completed everything already, so I felt the struggle of motivation to even go back and and complete the DLC. Even though I did it, and I had fun with it, it just baffled me because, like, the DLC to get even the Master Cycle Zero, you know, like, the the motorcycle, which is a weird thing that's even in the game, like, uh... Like, they just wanted that to be in the game, so they made it happen through the DLC. Fine. That's Link's, like, you know how every one of the champions has their own, the champion animal, like, the thing they control, those big, the dungeons. Yeah, sure, if that's what you want to call it. That's Link's. Link's is the master cycle, somehow. That's his weapon. Cannon. Like, that's what they made it. That's the big, like, thing. And it's cool. That thing is awesome. I had a lot of fun riding around with that, blah, blah, blah. It's a motorcycle. It's great. You know, it's a great way to traverse, but that's not the point here. The point is, is that to get the master cycle, you have to go through a dungeon. And that dungeon, although it wasn't themed, it was like all the other ones. It felt like a better dungeon design and had certainly a better boss of any of the other bosses in the game. You know, and it sh- it simply shows that the whole game should have had that level of quality in the main game. It made me really, like, imagine getting DLC that makes you disappointed <laughs> that the main game wasn't as good as what they displayed after they finished it. Everything about this, this game makes you think, like, wow, they're going to totally nail this in, a, in the next installment. But whatever they have now, obviously, there's lots of good ideas and there's bad ideas um it's a culmination of things that overall has led to a success story for the the game in the series but for us you know critiquing it i could say that there's a lot to improve upon i'm really glad that in interviews and stuff the developers have acknowledged that there's more to do oh, yeah even reading that i was like yeah you, you bet your ass there is. And I'm not entitled or anything. It's yeah. just like you could clearly see the problems. They're, the issues are glaring. And if you're not seeing them or you're not, you're just overlooking them or you're like, that's not that big a deal or this or that. Or you're just saying what other people are saying. It's like, no, I don't give a shit what anyone says. I'm a, a fan of this series. You know, I, I'll respect what anyone has to say, what certainly what you have to bring to the table. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's not like you're saying someone's you know you're allowed to think what you want to think that's my whole point yeah like that that's fine but you know that's not our our forte here like we don't do that like we're not like if you think this it's wrong but no not at all it there's also some things you kind of have to look at where it's like hey like something just kind of isn't right here and if you prefer it i mean that's all you but come on you gotta be able to eat you know like something like we were talking about like um in every Zelda game, you can swim under the water. Yeah. But now it's like you can't, and it's like why you took something away from. Like, there's things in this game where it's like you took something that I used to have away from me. 
And that's like, that's kind of the general theme of wrongdoings in the game. Right. And it's all these little things that added up that I didn't think about at first. And then the more I kind of dwelled and thought about the game and, you know, after it had come out where I'm kind of like, hey, this game didn't have it in there. Because, you know, then I wound up playing Twilight Princess again and it's like. All these cool things weren't in this one. You know, like, I look at Twilight Princess, and I I feel like it's a more populated area than Breath of the Wild is. And that's sad. And that's sad. Like, Breath of the Wild is exactly 12 times larger. So, why didn't they fill it with shit? They just didn't. I, You know, I really don't... I don't know why. I mean... They did try to add voice acting. I mean, they tried. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, we're going to go I'm going based on what we got here in America. It sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard I've heard that the other voices for the other languages are much better. And I, I from what I've heard of even the Japanese voice acting, I could agree it does sound better. <laughs> yeah, no. I I don't doubt that for a second, but what we got in English was I was like, really? It's a joke. It's such a joke. Nothing such against joke. The, the actual people who did those voices. I don't blame them. I don't them. know about that. No, I'm just <laughs> I don't blame them. I'm I'm hurt. Like they got hired to do something, but the direction behind the, the people that make them do the lines, they know what they're looking for. They pass it through people. People agree on it. They say, this is what I'm looking for. This is it. They didn't know what they were looking for. That's what I'm talking about. They have no freaking idea. It's never been done before for them. It, it almost felt like an outside recruiter company found these voice actors for nintendo of america but like they didn't actually take the care to like do it themselves right so many games today have great voice acting like how hard could it have been we're beyond the days of of resident evil voice acting not that it was that campy or bad but it was pretty bad i shouldn't feel it just shouldn't be a thing that i should be worried about like oh are they gonna get the voice acting right and it's like right voice acting so commonplace now it shouldn't be an issue and when when voice acting is screwed up in a game everyone jumps on it and they're like can you believe they got this wrong for that to happen to zelda it's like a it's like a tragedy really like you're not you're not messing with the minuscule indie game like everyone's gonna see this you know like you it's big it's on the it's big uh, it's on for display you can't hide it yeah it's solidified the first character that you meet the king that shows up i'm i was immediately and this is you know going into the game blind with happiness and joy i i out loud went you know i was like <laughs> and i said oh i hope there's not too much of that and then every time like you talk to a side character and it was text mm. i was like <sighs> you know like just yeah. don't talk you know like <laughs> you know like let's just keep it this way that was a major worry though for not just not really this game with the voice acting but like people had bitched at the series hadn't gone the voice acting route and they were still stuck in the past of text and clearly nintendo overall is apprehensive about voice acting and they don't really do it too much metroid prime 3 i believe has it and that was like also met with like clearly they have issues with it so when you know a big game they come out swinging like yeah we're gonna do voices well i'll i'll throw this i mean it's probably an unpopular opinion but you know playing other m years ago thought the voice acting was good. You know, but I'm just going on what I remember. You know, I could totally be remembering it wrong. I don't think anyone appreciates any praise on that game. (laughs) I know. I, like, enjoyed it. You know, maybe if I went back now, I wouldn't like it. But I remember at the time, like, beat the shit out of that game. I could, like, write a dissertation 
on that game about how it is good. I am not doing that right now. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, it's not getting into that right now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, I'm just saying like Breath of the Wild, text-based, always has been. And then, you know, CDI Zelda's oh, aside. Don't, don't, give, don't give me Metroid Prime 4 in text. Just figure yeah. it out. I'm pretty sure they'll do voices, yeah. but the thing is, is like <laughs> I just thought about that for for Zelda. You think it's time? Obviously, Link won't talk. That's fine. And he has an in canon reason explanation. I don't give a shit. Whatever. He doesn't need to talk. Look at Half Life. The guy doesn't talk. You know, Gordon. A lot of protagonists don't talk. Yeah, they don't need to. If it's a silent guy, you don't need to talk. Everyone else can talk. It's not. It's fine. It kind of makes it feel like you connect more. Like it's you. I mean, I'm just sitting there silently on the couch. That's the whole point of Link, anyways. As we know, <laughs> <laughs> the link to the player. <laughs> yeah, figured it out. Oh my god, <laughs> that's what should play when you say that. Mind blown. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, voice acting. Not very pleased. Could have gone better. Hopefully it does. Hopefully they tweak that. But you mentioned briefly the water thing. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to quickly say my little my little two cents on that, which is, you know, this game is packed with bodies of water that aren't really utilized well besides waterfalls and the ability to climb up them. Remember when you could sail them in Wind Waker? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like easily, like on this awesome boat. Now you get to take up weapon space with a mm. fucking leaf and barely get anywhere. Which is also in Wind Waker, but it was used as, like, it was used like that, but it also was used as the, the glider, like the, the way the gliders use now. You, like, held the leaf above your head and you could glide with it as well. Yeah, just saying. So why, yeah, why did they have you traverse? Uh, I know, yeah, you know, I know there's a raft in Zelda 1. Ooh, you, you know, like, okay. You know, you, you brought that back, but, like, it's cool to have a raft or a couple. Or be able to make one or something out of your wood stock. It's such a cumbersome method of traversing water overall. It's silly considering the game's advancements and traveling over... I mean, the series advancements and traveling over water. And like Wind Waker and Skyward Sword, there's a boat section. And even parts of Twilight Princess, you were in a boat. And the fact that, that there's no underwater, like you were saying, like to explore. Or major water enemies. Or even like a... Well, like we were talking about, there was a whole underwater boss in twilight princess and it was like amazing yeah but more feel and that that's like really awesome and the water temples are usually like ew like i don't like they're gonna be challenging or hard or confusing and i'm always like i actually like water temples <laughs> i like that i want to be challenged yeah you're a little weird <laughs> yeah for sure so it's like there's not even like a mini boss type thing in the water like a section of the game where you're in the middle of a lake or something on that raft and now all of a sudden ooh. Like something appears in the water and you're like, oh shit, I got to fight this thing. They mention in the game itself, you see skeletons of like fish or giant creatures, how they existed before, but mostly they're extinct or they were defeated by a, a character. Like it's like a story to them in the game. I would have actually loved to fight something like that and actually, you know, have it be me that takes place of some of the history that they were saying in the game. You know, like, I want to be the guy they tell stories about. They'll sing songs in Link's name. You know, how he defeated the giant fish creature, you know, or, or an octopus or, or anything other than a Lizalfos in the water. That's really all I have to say about it. I, I mean, I got to tell you, I had some boring moments rafting around. Yeah. And in the complete silence. Just <laughs> considering they had that island that was like very reminiscent of Link's Awakening with, you know, you're going on the raft to get there and this and that. And then you like wash ashore you know and they just you know, coincidentally yeah 
they just announced a Link's Awakening remake for Switch, and we just did our whole remake cast. We could probably review that game when it comes out, considering you haven't played the Game Boy Color or Game Boy 1. I have it, but now I'd rather just wait and play this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be the kind of, you know, it's going to be the same thing. They're faithful. It's going to be the yeah. same game. Even if they add stuff, uh, it's mostly you'll, you'll Maybe get Maybe we can... Uh... You know, I'm itching to hear some actual classic Zelda music for once. Yeah, that game is packed with classic Zelda tunes, and they're memorable. You could, you know, in Breath of the Wild, you can sometimes hear it. Yeah, if if you if you <laughs> if you're lucky, put your ear to the wind hard enough, maybe you'll hear <laughs> the faint tunes of the past Zelda melodies, and then <laughs> that is just. The worst. I, I'll never understand. You'll just exclaim. You'll exclaim. Up, <gasps> is that Zelda music I hear? I remembered when that was a standard thing in the game. Yeah. So now we're shifting to a, a big issue with the game. This was a big one for you. So the music, you know, why did they do it the way they did it? Zelda has been known to have hummable, you know, catchy, timeless tunes, much like Mario or a lot of Nintendo properties. But Zelda is like, you know, you want to play that game and, and all the areas have their own themes and, and the battle, there's battle themes. And yeah, there is like the Guardian theme in this game. But the music is so sparse. The reasoning behind it is kind of like whack. Like the guy was a different composer and he wanted to use the piano for the instrument because that's not a common Zelda instrument, I suppose. I guess mostly it'd be the harp. I think I'd like to go with the harmonica. (laughs) Yeah, just like that would make sense for a traveling Link. Some Zelda blues. He could play it himself. You know, sit at a campfire with some, you know, different Hylian folk and just like play, play a little tune, play instruments with a Goron. Imagine if you could travel around and play instruments with different characters and they would whip out something of their own, a flute or something or a drum. Dude, or... there's, there was nothing more satisfying than playing like a song in front of someone and like activating something. something. Yeah. So cool. You know, because because that always adds, especially in a game as big as Breath of the Wild, that would add a whole like, ooh, what if I go play this song over here? You know, will something happen? Or you see a symbol and you're like, I know what to do. Or even mysterious elements where like you break like an Ocarina of Time, you could slash up a sign and then play the song and then it would like magically heal itself like something out of Harry Potter. That's just the thing you could do, you know? So you're now you're getting into like, wow, that's like a secret I didn't, you know, has no real practical application other than it. it's just something you could do with the power of song. Mm-hmm. And the fact that music affects the world at all in a magical sense is awesome. It's been a thing since the beginning of the series. You had the flute in Zelda 1. In this game, you, there's no uh, magical musical instrument they did away with it i don't really appreciate as a you know someone who loves music and i love to play and especially in zelda that's always been a thing i felt like that's a positive thing to have in a game for all ages um, you know something some kind of instrument element considering that it's such a series staple and then you know it's just gone like that completely i don't understand why yeah it's in you know music is in the game it's not like it's completely silent or something but they they mostly chose to let the the land speak for itself with its atmosphere they were saying they didn't want like this jarring overworld theme to be playing while you're like walking around picking up mushrooms or something and i understand to an extent why that makes sense but at the same time i'm just like yeah well i don't care (laughs) like figure it out do something (laughs) do something other than nothing 
or very little. Even while you're riding the horse, the longer you ride it or whatever, the main Zelda theme picks up slowly, like with trotting little, you know, notes playing slowly and then it gets to it. As soon as you stop, it stops, you know, like it's it's just like something some people might not even hear at all. And then you have like Epona's song playing at the stables that's another thing where it's like okay something that was like this special song to call your horse now now you just whistle which is you know it's okay to whistle to get your horse to come to you but to have that song that was like this special magical song just be like yeah we're playing at every generic stable oh, even if they had that mechanic in twilight princess where you kind of get to grab like the mm -hmm. wheat and play the song it's like that would have been such an awesome way to get it in there that would have been like a cool little connection to twilight princess then too i don't know i thought that was really awesome where it was kind of like uh it was like just one of those things that that link just knew how to do yeah where it was like the old one kind of had to had to yeah, learn yeah. it in order to use it where it was he's a bit older that link so yeah that one's older he just kind of knows you know they kind of have their own way uh with connecting with the horses and then it was just a cool little thing where you're running around hyrule you just run up to one of them grab it play the song and then boom there's a pona yeah, so, I mean, overall, what I'm saying here is, quite simply, is Zelda isn't Zelda without a catchy, hummable tune playing in every way you can fit in music. I want music everywhere. Other areas of this game, like I said, they're, they're tiny moments where they're using music, but the thing... Yeah, but Koji Kondo, he's... Is he still... I don't... Is he a retired I individual? I believe he... Whatever his situation is, he's not doing as much music as he used to if not completely not doing it at all, or maybe doing a song here or there. I mean, he's made so much. Yeah. It's not even like, it's not like they need to call him in <laughs> well, to like make more Zelda music. You know what? You know what it's I mean? a very John Williams situation where who else is yeah. John Williams? Who else is Koji Kondo? And the answer is, I don't think anyone. So it's a situation where you would think that, oh, you know how many musicians in the world there are? And it's certainly... Koji Kondo is the video game John Williams. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But also... Nintendo hasn't been slacking on like other games with their music. Look at Splatoon or Mario Kart and like they're having like live band. Mario in in general is just always has fantastic music. They're now they're like upping their game. You know, like people were bitching at Nintendo for having MIDI music like for the longest time, but now they have like live music that, you know, is played in a studio and stuff or an orchestral piece. But anyways, the the live studio music sounds like video game music like they're so skilled you don't even like know that like you can't really tell the difference like it just sounds like game music almost like it's awesome like they're just playing game melodies that like with guitars and different instruments that are like high quality real instruments and uh making it sound like gamey mm -hmm. you know i say mario kart 8 and splatoon specifically because to me they stand out as like really good uses of uh of their musical talent and even obviously mario odyssey is <laughs> really good with music oh um, that game is just I, lo I love that game. and you're gonna look at zelda and it's like literal ah. crickets because of crickets like, actually being in the game <laughs> you know and in zelda it's like there's so with it being so huge there's so many places for music to exist unique themes unique themes forest themes you know mountainous themes yeah. snowy themes and it's like these are all things that they take huge advantage of 
in in different series like Mario where you go from like, you know, like world to world and the themes change depending on where you are. Imagine in Zelda where it's like there's no loading screen. You walk over there and it magically transitions. That was such a huge opportunity to do that. And they're just like, yeah, but we want you to listen to the brief. And it's like, that's boring. Like, give me something. It's not a good answer. It's not a good solution. I don't like it. Bring back music for Zelda. The whole series is based on music in some way. It's very deeply rooted in instruments. Speaking of uh, Link's Awakening, just for a sec again, that game is all about instruments and different melodies and songs. So I'm just saying, like, you're looking at the series, you're Nintendo, you're making Zelda. How do you not look at what makes Zelda Zelda and go, of course, the music, number one on the board, do not take it off, do not erase that the thing about it mostly that i'm gonna say as like to end the music thing is the trailer of breath of the wild it sold a different (laughs) kind of experience musically that did not deliver in the main game it it definitely put up like this epic feeling that overall experience that it encompasses that's not it's not it it's not there um it's kind of like false advertising in a way felt a little cheated not gonna lie yeah there's another thing i wanted to say that kind of brief stuff and and it's just like in breath of the wild there's no you know we were talking about ocarina of time or all the zelda games really but this is the point most zelda games nowadays have some or not most but few of them have had a time travel element and this game has sort of a time travel element being that there's odd 100 year gap well you don't you don't do the traveling right but oddly there's 100 years in between and that's weird like what a odd that's a long time you know to have that be the time it takes for link to like heal i'm saying i would have loved to take control of link beforehand before the hundred year gap and had some exploration or battles even though he eventually loses and has to be put you know in a stasis to heal that would have been cool to see right it would have been super cool to explore it's kind of like they just talk about it but like i don't really care i want to play I've, it <laughs> i'm only starting here it's like yeah 100 years ago when you did this and it's like i didn't do oh, shit I didn't do that yeah what are you talking about you know and then they make you find the memories yeah. and shit and it's why like, don't you just make the memory been more fun to just play yeah it. <laughs> yeah because it's like exactly because it's like you know they have the characters uh what was the name of the zora girl mia mifa mifa they have mifa and it's like they obviously had a relationship yeah but I don't care. It's like, well, I don't know nothing about that. Like, you just told me that they were close, but she's dead. She's dead. Like, <laughs> I didn't get to know this. Per- I didn't get to know this Zora like literally at all. Like this. Yeah. They want that to be like a such a backhanded way of making you feel connected. Yeah. They w- they want you to feel something for these characters, and it's like I I could care less. Where it's like, you know. You kind of have Midna from Twilight Princess where she's with you by your side the whole way and then you have to say that goodbye yeah. and it like it it's sad like it hurts breaks and your she's heart. Not, yeah, she's not even dying. She's just going home. Yeah. Like she's just going where she belongs. And now you're telling me there's this person that's been with Link and means so much to him and now they're dead. And it's like I don't care. You know, like I couldn't even remember her name. Yeah, and in uh in Ocarina there's uh 
Princess Rudo, the other. Yeah. And you do, you form a connection with her because you have to save her ass and she's kind of a pain. And then at the end, she's nice to you and she gives you the Zora Sapphire. And then she's like, you know, you make the promise. It's like a Dragon Ball moment where you like make the promise to marry someone. And then you're like, you don't really know what that means or if they're serious, you know, because it's child, child love, so to speak, even though it's severely one sided. (laughs) Link not being into it at all. He's just like, "Uh, I just want the Sapphire. Can I go now? (laughs) (laughs) When. You go to the water temple. Which is what Goku Yeah, when do. you go to... Yeah, it's a very... It's just <laughs> so funny. But you go to the water temple and they actually deliver on that. She's there. And she's like, I'm here for you to marry me. And you're like, ah. <laughs> mm, I actually need Bro. the medallion from the water temple. I'll come back though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You wait here. Don't um, move. Don't move. <laughs> So, you know, that you have an actual real-time history with. And you could, you know, connect with that character. Although, you know, these are Nintendo 64 characters. I'm just saying gaming story-wise has come a long way since. But I'm saying, like, also at the same time, I'm saying it's come so far. But it's also, like, Breath of the Wild didn't do anything better. I do feel for some of the characters and, and this and that. And some of the memories they show in this and that give you a better idea who these people were. And what they're all about. And the only moment I really felt a connection where I felt like Nintendo turned it up to like, you know, from like zero to a hundred is like when Zelda like breaks down in one of the cutscenes and like is crying in Link's arm. And it's like, that's like a Pixar emotional moment where I was like, holy shit, like this is conveying some strong stuff that I can't help but be affected by. And before that, I wasn't. I was just like, what the hell? That was like a, you know, an odd moment. I was like, wow, you guys did a good job with that. Um, but for the most part, nah. not so much. Um, and, you know, like I said, uh, I'll give credit where it's due, but where it's not, you're done. Like, they're done. <laughs> <laughs> this game, I'm done with it. You know, and that's, you know, that's another thing. I don't think I'll play this game again, even though there's like the master mode. I have started it. I don't feel like going back and like having enemies have like regenerated health and they're tougher to kill and there's more of them and like this and that. It's like, all right, whatever. I I could have fun running around in that world one day, just picking it up again for kicks. But like, because, you know, it's a fun world to inhabit. It's not like, to me, it's not like it's this ugly thing like Fallout 3 or something where you're just like, everything looks like nuclear garbage. You know, because that's what it is. It's like the game's pretty. Um, graphically, I like it. I like the style. It, clearly, there's limitations. It being a Wii U title primarily. And then there's a little bit of an improvement on the Switch. The fact that you could take that game on the go is cool. Having a portable oh, yeah, I mean, console level you know, Zelda. Awesome. Right. That's, you know, I mean, it's going to be true with any Switch title. Yes. <laughs> you know, but it is, it's always, it's always something you throw in there. You're like, and you could bring it with you. It's like, yeah, literally. I'm never going to pass Switch. up a chance to praise Switch. Oh, yeah. It's a no, game I'm, changer. I'm, <laughs> yeah. It, no, it really is. Because, listen, Breath of the Wild it's not no by no means a bad game. It's really not. It's a very well-made game. And I think if you came into it like bringing it back 2 hours <laughs> to um you know my previous jock friend that I used to have. Yeah, yeah. That's just what we're going to call him. Mr. J. Mr. J. <laughs> Mr. J. So <laughs> 
if you were to bring it back to him, he probably would come out of that game feeling satisfied. Like he had a cool adventure. Yeah. For for people like us where it's like, hey, I know what the series is and I know what it's supposed to be. I know it's constant flaws that it's been dragging with it, you know, over the years. And uh, I, I know where, it, you know, we've been waiting for it to improve and where it has. But I've seen I, I can tell where you dropped the ball and where you went too far with the new and and the shit that you've you thought was good enough to drop where it's like no like you can't get rid of that but you know there's plenty of other things that I've wanted you to get rid of but you kept and you know they they made really odd choices that it's like I feel like if you sat them in a room and it's like why did you do this they're kind of like well like they they're never going to come up with a good enough answer. Yeah. The bottom line is they had to put a game out and it had to come right. out for the Switch launch. And and if you remember, this game was delayed many times. Yeah. So imagine the iterations they've taken. You know, I heard that, you know, just the physics system alone went through like many different, like it was like used to be like really harsh and, and like to the point where like you could go to an area and have objects and they're on the ground and then you come back later and they're all blown away. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. And <laughs> yeah, and so they had to like be like, okay, some things have to like permanently stay in place. Yeah, no, I remember that being a thing where it's like stuff would be like, it's not like it would go away, but it would be like really far away and you'd have to like track it down. That actually gives me an idea for the game's weather system to improve upon it or actually have a, an interesting thing. You know, so they have lightning storms and stuff, and that's pretty extreme, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm like, what if you had, like, a wind element and a hurricane element or something, and now, like, structures are getting blown blown away or something? Like, I think in one part of the game, there was, like, a wind thing you could do, like, to solve a puzzle or something. But I'm, I'm saying, like, if you're going to have extreme weather and realistic stuff, why can't you have tidal waves? Why can't you have, like, hurricanes, you know, like... Why can't the volcano explode and like have some kind of outcome from that? I'm not, you know, obviously I would think the Gorons might be in a little bit of trouble, but maybe they have to relocate or something. Right. You know, some kind of dynamic element to the game's world where things could change based off the things that are in it right in front of your face. And that's just something I came up with off the top of my head. Boom. Or imagine the sands shift over time in the in the desert and now you're uncovering you know, a, a lost uh, temple or something. or <clears throat> Either that or the sand shift and uh, you can get lost easy and get confused where you are. Yeah, it kind of turns maybe you there's, about. There's got to be some sort of system where put in play where you have to like remember how you got somewhere you could get lost easily. Yeah, you know, and that's been in uh, prior Zelda games with like Ocarina of Time where you're trying to travel through a sandstorm and you have to locate the flags and kind of spot them. Yeah. Yeah, but it would be cool if you had to put them down in order to track yeah. back. And then later, yeah, later you could use it. And that's a real thing in real life you could have to do in a snow or sandstorm. And they never go away unless you take them out. Um, There's so many we things that... We should just apply to Nintendo. That's what I'm saying. If we could sit here and come <laughs> up with stuff... You know, what's stopping them, you know? Yeah, that's what I don't get. You know, you think they have meetings and think tank type stuff. But so many times I talk to you or even, you know, my other friends about Zelda or just gaming. And, you know, when you're coming up with stuff so easily, 
for ideas. It's like, unfortunately, I don't think we're that that special when it comes to coming up with this stuff. So I'm like, what these, you know, the people that make these games. What stops them from doing it? Yeah, they're truly talented. I'm like, what the hell is in the way? And everything that we're thinking of, they can bring to life. They're idea machines. So it's like. They have that ability. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's like kind of that ironic thing where it's like, you ever hear like, so smart, you're stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I, I know what you mean. I feel like Nintendo does that all the time where they... That's them to a T. They overthink shit sometimes. And it's like, it didn't need to be that difficult. Yeah, to the point of detriment to themselves. Yeah, to the point where it can harm their product a bit. Yeah. But when they get it right, it's amazing. Magic. You know? It's like no it's other magic. like no other um gaming developer out there has ever done. Mario Odyssey was them just nailing every idea that they could have brought up. Yeah. Their team nailed the Mario thing. Mario Odyssey <laughs> is something I couldn't have thought up. No. That's something that only they could have came out with. Like I remember seeing that and the like the whole hat mechanic was just like, huh? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Like uh quote uh to quote Dunkey, you can be a treat. <laughs> you know, like I'm in. You know, like I wouldn't have thought of that. You know, go for it. You know, I'm I'm here to play it and super creative. So that game is just every corner of it is creativity. And then it's like the Mario sixty four element, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. it's like yeah. in that line of game. And it has such payoff. For the Mario 64 fan. Yeah, to me, it was more of a tribute to 64 than Galaxy was. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I like it better than Galaxy, personally. No, I mean, no, that's, no. That's absolutely. I do, too. It does It does things way better. I think, you know. And Galaxy's uh-huh. amazing, obviously. Um, no, that game's fantastic. I love it. I even like the second one better. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Odyssey's just. <laughs> that could be an episode on its own. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But that's an example of like. that. Yeah, that's an example of them, you know, channeling their minds. Pretty much nailing what a Mario is, is what Odyssey is. Here's here's the thing. And uh, I think. The magic. This is how I, <laughs> I want to close out my thoughts on Zelda because I kind of grasp what I want to say and I don't want to let it go. When it came to this entry, I'm going to say it was doomed from the start. Judging how we just analyzed the way Nintendo thinks, for what they were going for in Zelda, they went too big. They wanted to go so big that they overwhelmed themselves and then they didn't know what to do with this massive game in front of them. I think they went big first and then they tried to work from the, the inside out. If that makes sense. Yeah. Instead of just starting from nothing and building out from there. So they made the playing field first and then tried to make the rules. It felt like you're kind of forcing things in at that point. Where you kind of look at a game like Mario Odyssey where it's like this was obviously built with the intent of there being something at every corner. Yeah. You know, like, and you can't say the same for Zelda. And I, I think it's it's actually a good thing that this didn't they didn't nail it first because i have no doubt that they've been banging their heads against the wall since this game came out you know and now that it's had time to sit because as much as i could say sometimes they overthink and you know like they overdo it this that and the other thing they're also good at knowing when they've kind of messed something up they'll never admit it they'll never tell you They'll just fix it in the next installment. So I have no doubt. I mean, I will be utterly shocked if we get 
another Zelda game and it strays further from what Zelda is. I doubt that's going to happen. I really think they're going to take all these elements and all these things that they've learned so far. And I think they're going to take that big world that Breath of the Wild was and they're only going to inject more Zelda into it. Yeah, that's all it really needs, actually. Dude, that's that is really all it needed. That's all they have to do. It's just add more Zelda into it. Yeah, Zelda needs more Zelda. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Who would have thought? And, yeah, who would have thought that's what Zelda needed? Like the Odyssey, Mario Odyssey is oozing Mario. Everything in that game is Mario to a T. It's not trying to be anything. Yeah, not else. at all. But but also but also innovating. Right. Which is what Zelda needs to do. It needs to be Zelda but expanded you know it doesn't have to be a hundred percent you know i mean change things obviously things that work but it doesn't need to be different it just has to be a bigger it needs to be what it can if you're gonna have a world like that as big as breath of the wild you're telling me this is the playing field to me that's the set stage where there's enough room to make zelda potentially what it it fully should be realized as yeah but they didn't do that. No. They tried to make a different type of game with Lincoln. Right. To me, I could say like the framework is there. It's all there. And you could always inject more Zelda into it and tweak things and, and remove things that don't work and add things that do and refine it. I could say like, okay, Hyrule's here. This is Hyrule. I want to see other lands um, potentially as well. And maybe that's asking for too much. Or, But I'm saying like maybe the next Zelda, since we just, imagine we played Breath of the Wild. You explore every inch of that place. It takes you forever. Then you get a new Zelda and they use that same Hyrule. Yeah, it's kind of like a Pokemon situation where you return to a place you've been and there's slight changes and stuff like that. And you see how it changed over time. Uh, you know, it would actually be cool to see like an intact Hyrule, you know, after the game. You know, like Zelda and Link restoring Hyrule Castle and the the town and everything. That would be cool. But it's all be, it, it would also be cool to see a traveling element where they go to a different place other than Hyrule, and it's maybe a smaller type of game. You know, channeling like a Majora's Mask element where you're now you're mm -hmm. kind of visiting this other land, which would be the whole point of it would be it would be like a new area to explore, and it doesn't need to be as big, but it could be in the same engine and stuff like that just improved and then have a lot of improvements because now once you scale down the size now you can fill it in easier and better and not be overwhelmed i wouldn't even care if you know the next game was smaller but had more density that's what i'm talking about more towns more actual shit to do mm -hmm. an actual zora's domain you know, actual Death Mountain. You know, that's that's all I'm asking for. There's so much there, like underwater sections, underground sections. Like you could, because of the series, you could have sky sections. It's not like it doesn't exist. Oh, yeah. Imagine in Breath of the Wild. Think about this. You've looked up in the sky, right? When did you ever mm. see the remnants of, of things in the sky? And I'm pretty sure, like, you could say, oh, well, Skyward Sword had you bringing things down to the ground, right? Like, but I'm like, you're telling me there's no... In Twilight Princess, there was the whole temple of the sky, you know? So you, there's things left up there. There was nothing to indicate the series history in that regard. Although, on the ground level, there were the shrines left from Skyward Sword that you could go to that were basically replicas of the areas from Skyward Sword where, you know, you were uh, going to in the story and they're like, yeah, okay, so we're acknowledging this, but 
for me, I'm like, okay, now you're building this world. It's also acknowledging certain things while not acknowledging others, you know? Right. So all I'm saying is just like, I would appreciate what we're talking about where smaller, denser world filled with more Zelda-like things. And that would be really cool. That's I think that's a solution instead of just keeping it as big as it is and changing it. Or imagine the next Zelda is like the same place, but Hyrule's now like fixed back to normal, so to speak. The town that was raised to the ground is now like built up again. It's like as fun as that is, and that would be, I'm just like, eh, that's cool. It is. I don't know. I just want something different than what they just gave us. Listen, Nintendo, listen to me very closely. Just do it better. <laughs> just Yeah, just do it better. <laughs> just do it better. It's very easy. <laughs> My final thoughts on a, a few of the things in the game, they had like a lack of original Zelda enemies, although they do cover a variety. You know, they have to pick a certain amount anyways. Yeah. I can't do everything. But I'm just saying, like, we're in an HD Zelda era. I would I would have loved to see more classic Zelda enemies brought back, including Zelda bosses that have never been rendered in 3D. Which would probably be new to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. For sure. It would be badass. Be like a cool little cheating way to think of something new. They brought, like, the Hinox in. And that's a, um, the Hinox is cyclops thing and that's from a link to the past although it's totally like a reimagining in breath of the wild and those are fun and then you have the talos or whatever the rock bosses and that's neat really like there's so many there's so many classic zelda creatures and bosses that could have been it like there's not a single dodongo in the whole game like what the hell <laughs> yeah the dekus no dekus uh, well, or nothing no there's like the ones that spit shit at you the rocks and there's no like um spiders or, oh, yeah, or yeah, yeah. there's no redeads there's no gibdos which are uh they're kind of like redeads but like mummies there's no like likes <laughs> yeah the like likes suck but yeah. they're from the zelda one they've been in they've been in a lot of zeldas and they're a staple enemy to me there was definitely room to throw them in mm -hmm. there's no iron knuckle there's no armos knight you know, there's, you know, the night enemies and there's different colored enemies, which is cool. That's a throwback to the original Zelda, having different colors designate like their difficulty. That's a cool idea. You know, visually, it explains everything yeah. you need to know. Another thing is for the champions, I would have enjoyed that the champions needed to be rescued and like they could actually like return to their physical form. Rather than just have them be dead and that, like, you just, like, save their spirit. It makes sense that the king of Hyrule wouldn't have made it because he was in the castle when Calamity Ganon struck. But, you know, the champions dying to me is a, just a bummer. Because, like, Zelda doesn't die. She's, like, forever young in in the castle because of magical reasons and it does you know it's fine it's not it's like kind of a nitpick i'm just saying like i kind of wanted them to be alive for future games like they're it's just zelda and link now like that's it <laughs> go propagate <laughs> you know, like this new kingdom yeah the series references to the timeline there's direct like references and major cutscenes of the game to the series timeline but there's no real ties in this game to the timeline at all and i find that a little annoying there's sort of like a twilight princess the mirror of twilight side quest there's not really anything that comes of it and you know throughout the game you find other older zelda references such as like the spirit temple statue and like lawn lawn ranch being like a thing but it's like destroyed 
in other classic Zelda game locations. You know, I've mentioned that the references Easter egg thing, but I'm just saying like, it's just mostly fluff. Kind of cool that it's there, but I just wish it had more significance because most times in Zelda games, when things appear, they're just more significant than they, they retreated in this game. It's not a huge thing. The fact that the world is mostly destroyed uh, to me is like a bummer because, you know, this is something that I kind of... I mean... It it kind of participates to the emptiness. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's also a limitation of the console. Like, you couldn't have this big, packed, filled-in world with no load times. Or, like, at least the load times seem like there's none. You know, like, they masked them well or something. It would have been cool if there was some method through the story to restore areas of the game you know like say each area like or some areas you could like eliminate all the guardians in that area and then like recruit members the people of the nearby stables or small villages or even the big villages to like oregon trail it out to the destroyed land and rebuild it and you could even like help them by paying with rupees or gathering resources for them to do so Rather than like the one time in the game where there was this uh, like one single village in the game that that concept is used for, where like you're giving like a carpenter resources and he builds this whole little town for you and slowly it gets bigger and bigger and more people come to it and things like that. That's one village. To me, I'm like, okay, why wasn't this, you know, I'm looking, I'm exploring in the game, you know, and I'm seeing all these destroyed places. And it's supposed to make you think about the history that happened, like how it was destroyed. And I'm just like, and why can't we rebuild if I just like took out like the enemies around? Like, why couldn't that be a thing or a mechanic of the game where you're like slowly rebuilding what was lost? That's not really the focus of the game. I'm just saying it would have been cool, I think. Final, final couple thoughts. I didn't like that a majority of the game, even if you had the pro UI mode on, there was still the sta the the stamina circle like a giant green circle is in your face the entire game to me that's that was a problem uh please don't do that hmm. in the next one nintendo if you're listening reggie can't help us anymore nope. so i can't even no, say can't. please reggie now i'm asking bowser this is our first uh cast since reggie has stepped down well is yeah. going to so how do you how do you feel sam do you feel like you got it all off your chest no I have one last thing. No, seriously, one last thing. So right. the dragons in the game. Lead us off. The dragons, right? So dragons in Breath of the Wild are a significant moment. Where, you know, when you see one for the first time and behold, like, the size and beauty of those creatures, even there's, like, a little song that plays. They're cool, you know, yeah. You know, my mind began to flood with possibilities considering the way the dragons had been used in Skyward Sword. You know, they were they were portrayed as, like, sentient god-like creatures, similar to the dragon Valu and Wind Waker. You know, they had been, you know, like Jabu Jabu, you know, they're like godly creatures. They're to be revered and respected and they have power. Their actual use in the game, like, yeah, they're a grand spectacle, but their actual use is just to grind them for dragon parts over and over, you know, like once per day only, and then do it all over again to get significant upgrades in the game for your armors to me it's just like what a letdown that's like one last thing i can say about <laughs> <laughs> the shit talking Ooh. we have portrayed upon this game let me tell you guys this one was a big one for us we we had discussed this one for a while and uh you know 
the, it, what it really comes down to is like, do you, you know, do you shit on Zelda? And it's like, you know, it, it's, it's not really, you know, putting down the series. It's just kind of hoping that it goes up from here because we love Zelda and we, we don't want it to go away or become something like lackluster comparatively to what it had used to be but uh i don't want to not look forward to it yeah no you, you you know and honestly i'm not worried you know i think they're gonna get uh their shit together they're gonna be put back on track um but damn i think this is our this is definitely our our, our longest episode yet i think maybe our uh our dragon ball broly one might be the only one that's close or maybe still a little longer i i don't really know i'd have to go back and check you know this again this was a big topic for us to cover and uh Real quick before we go, I I wanna I wanna plug in. I wanna let everyone know that we are officially on pretty much every uh, social media there is. Uh, go look for us uh, under Firelink Podcast on Facebook, uh, Firelink Podcast on Instagram, and uh, Firelink Cast on Twitter. Someone stole Firelink Podcast on Twitter, <laughs> but so that's that's our only different one. But uh, go ahead, uh, go go out there, go go shoot us a like. You know, um, any support really helps. We we really have have been enjoying doing this, and and the more that we keep recording, really the more ideas that keep flooding in on what we want to do. So we got we got no plans to stop. We got a, a nice laundry list of things to get to for everybody. Hmm, absolutely. And, you know, I want to really thank uh, everyone for listening to any of our cast, but specifically something as long as this and specifically. You made it. Even more specific uh, to listen to us talk and rant about Breath of the Wild in such a way that I don't feel like we were being like, uh, you know, like egregious uh, <laughs> in shitting on it or anything. Like, I feel like it's all well thought out, pretty chill you know we're not screaming i'm not you know we're not putting anybody down or we can scream i could do that it's all like well measured thought out stuff just from playing the game and having such a, a history with the series i kind of said that earlier in the cast but i'm just saying thanks for listening to that you know breath of the wild is a big game so this naturally is a big cast there's lots of stuff we had to say about it and i'm pretty sure we got it all out there Ooh. i don't really have Feeling much to say I don't know about you, Sam, but I feel lighter. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> therapy. So, yeah, if if you didn't know about podcasts, uh, when you talk about a topic that you've had, you know, built up inside for a long time, and you talk about it with your friends, it feels good. Uh, it feels good to let it all out and kind of get it all out there and get your thoughts formulated in some way. It might not be the most cohesive at times, or or whatever, but we certainly try. I think we've done a pretty decent job. I, that only attests to that we're trying to make each cast kind of better and better as we go along. It could be our method of introduction. It could be the flow. Each cast, if you listen from the first one... Something always changes. Yeah, even even our technology has changed. You know, with the, the microphones, we kind of nipped that early on, but... Yeah. Kind of I'm just happy. saying, like, each one, we want you to have a, an enjoyable listening experience, you know, for the editing, the microphones we use. Um, we're always tweaking things, trying to make things sound better for you, you know, because if you're going to listen to somebody talk for hours, we want it to kind of not be grating on the ears or, or like clipping your headphones or, or whatever. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just saying um, a little bit be behind the scenes action. You know, we care is the point. 
And I really care that you guys listen. It's really cool to have a, a voice at all and, and a platform and it could grow and I hope it grows and it's been growing. So it's cool. And I just want to continue doing it. I have plenty more to say about any given topic. Oh, yeah. I could talk about things forever and ever, especially things I like or hate. And <laughs> <laughs> and there's more stuff that comes out all the time that I could talk about <laughs> next month. uh there's another From Software game coming out. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure we'll uh, both digest. We're going to have to talk about that one. Yeah, we'll digest that game maybe beforehand, uh, maybe during and after. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not saying that's, you know, our direct next cast because that would be kind of silly. We'll figure it out. It'll happen. With that, man, I... Thank you so much for listening, everyone. You know, wherever you are, have a great day. Have a great night. If you're listening in the car... Be safe. Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enjoy your lives, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We genuinely appreciate it. And we hope to see you again next time.